Live from the Drew Estate Cigar Studio in Boston, Massachusetts, welcome to the Spare Notes series with your hosts, Matt Tobacco and William Cooper. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Spare Notes series. My name is Matt Tobacco from SmokingTobacco.com, and I am joined once again by my very good friend, Mr. William Cooper from Indian Trail, North Carolina. And I am live once again in the Drew Estate Cigar Studios, and I am... Uh, Already in the process of smoking a cigar tonight. Um, I started right before the show, and then I'm going to move on to something else. But I am smoking Sands Band, since I have gotten to that point, a Hoya de Nicaragua, numero uno. And uh, just really enjoying the cigar. Coop, what are you uh, about to light up over there? I know you got something uh, interesting. Yeah, um, you know, I pulled out a uh, Romeo and Julieta Reserve. And it's their version of a rare Corojo, the rare Corojo 2006. Uh, this was a limited edition cigar about three or four years ago that actually does use a Corojo leaf on their rare Corojo. Huh. Uh, I've had these sitting in the humidor for a while. I think Raphael Nodal gave me these when I visited the office. Um, and, uh, you, you know, like I said, I've kind of pulled these out from time to time. And uh, I'm going to give it a shot, and then I'll follow it up if I have time with the uh, – Oliva Siri V Milanio Figurato. You know what's funny, and I mentioned to you, I started to get into this point before we started the show, um, and then I, excuse me, I stopped myself because I wanted to have the discussion on the air. Um, yep. You know it's funny. We were talking about some of the Romeo stuff that we've enjoyed, and there's there's actually some there's actually some really good ones. Um, some of the other stuff that Altadas has going on right now, even some of the general stuff. Um, there's there's some great cigars that come out. And I was about to say it, and I stopped, but you knew exactly where I was going with it. It's mm -hmm. interesting that, you know, a lot of times, and I'm not saying this is everybody. I think this is like a small per percentage of people. And I, I'll admit, like many, many years ago, when I first started smoking cigars, well, maybe not right when I first started, but once I was smoking long enough that I kind of had an idea of like who some of the companies were. I feel like there's a like there's a, a a stigma sometimes where it's like you you hear about like the big brands or like Romeo or stuff like that, and I think there's a small percentage of people who kind of go like, oh well, I'm not smoking that because it's like you know the the big the the big name brand people they they don't make great cigars. I I smoke better cigars than the smaller brands, and that's not necessarily true. Um, a lot of the big companies are making some great cigars. Altadis USA is making some great stuff. And Romeo, H. Upman, that H. Upman Barber Pole, we were talking about that before the show. I think that's a great cigar. Um, some of the stuff that they got going on in general, especially anything Justin Andrews has put his hands on, uh, has been really good too. Um, you know, Drew Estate's Drew Estate. They've always kind of had that cult following. And then Davidoff's kind of in their own universe with what they got going on. But, but specifically with like General and Altadis, like – don't for those people out there who kind of like oh i only smoke boutique stuff like i don't smoke the big name guys i mean if you haven't really tried a lot of it like if you've had one or two things like really explore it because i'm telling you like they got some great stuff that they've been putting out the last couple of years and it's been really enjoyable yeah i i agree matt so let's just kind of i'll give you a case example here so let's take two boutique companies um southern drawer yeah. Right? It's one. Mm -hmm. And Enrique Sanchez's 1502 cigars. Okay. okay yep. Uh, so, Southern Drawer makes this stuff at AJ Fernandez. 
1502 makes most of their stuff at Placencia. Mm-hmm. Altidus, in recent years, has basically moved their Nicaragua. They've been making Nicaraguan-made cigars out of Placencia and AJ. And the funny thing is, I see everyone heap love on Southern Drawer and 1502. And I'm not saying they don't deserve it, right? But for some reason, they're 1502 and Southern Drawer are doing it right, but Altidus is doing it wrong. I, I don't see that, right? And I think people are sometimes judging the book by its cover here in this case. So I think so, too. Um, yeah, I think so, too. And I think what Raphael, and I've said this, I think Raphael has done one of the best jobs in the industry over the past few years with, with Altidus. He is really connected, I think, with what people are looking for. And um, I really love especially what he's done with the Romeo Julieta line because he has, remember, like, about 10 years ago, they were coming out with these Romeo cigars and, you know, with the Romeo packaging and it, it seemed to work for a while, but then it seemed to run out of gas. I, I think people just got tired of it. But what Raphael's done is he, he's extended some lines like Reserva Real coming out with Nicaraguan, the 1875 lines. And, and I think has really done a good job at kind of keeping the DNA of these cigars. Um, but at the same time, getting creative with some of the stuff doing. So I, 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 I agree 100%. This is not something that, you know, people should really be giving these cigars a chance. I'm not saying they're all going to be home runs but but i think they deserve a a very fair chance i agree um and look that's not to say that and again remember when i say this this is subjective to people individually because everyone's palate is different but sorry i had a piece of tobacco in my mouth um you know yeah sometimes there's cigars that that don't really impress but I feel like, you know, almost every brand at one point or another makes a cigar that maybe isn't well received by the majority, right? And that happens. That's part of the game. I mean, it's the same with any other kind of product that's like that. You know, sometimes things come along and, you know, um, it just, it's not well received. It doesn't perform well. You know, it doesn't get good ratings and reviews and and it happens, and that's not to say that it was necessarily poorly made, although that can happen. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't. I mean, it, in all fairness, that, that sometimes things come out that are not well made or they weren't blended really well, and it happens. Um, but again, the stigma don't don't follow the stigma on stuff. Always, you know, try a lot of stuff from a lot of different brands. You know, especially you know, and this is kind of goes into a, a kind of a tangent of a an alternate discussion that's somewhat related, but I guess I can build off of this. You know, we always right. talk about like, especially in the old days, right? Um, and I'm not picking on you, but I mean, obviously you, you're all older than me. You've been smoking lo- longer than me. I don't know if right. you, I, I don't like, I don't remember this necessarily. Cause I, I've only been smoking, you know, since, you know, in the last, you know, the middle of the last decade, but like you were around, right. you were around for like the nineties when the boom happened. Right. Um, I was, but I wasn't smoking actively back then. Yeah. When when did you really start actively smoking? About, I was I was like I would say uh, 2006. And what I mean is, I was an I was an occasional smoker back in the 90s. And but I did follow okay. what was going on. I did follow what was going on about this. Yeah. Right, but you you were around and, and you knew enough to know that back then, especially not that it doesn't happen anymore, but especially back then, you had that um, uh, the brand loyal smokers where. If, for example, if you smoked, you know, Diamond Crown, that's what you smoked. You know, someone could come up to me and be like, you know, there's these new cigars from Perdomo. I don't want to hear it. I smoke 
Diamond Crown. I don't smoke anything else. And, you know, I feel like obviously a lot of that culture has changed. I mean, people are more, you know, open to trying new stuff now. You don't have as many of those people. But I would say, in my opinion, I think there's it's not you're not I think there's people out there who are not brand loyal to like one brand, one cigar. I think that there's a good population nowadays that's loyal to like, you know, like a dozen brands and then they don't smoke anything else or they very rarely venture out. But one thing about being in the media, especially for us, and I know you can relate to this, is you know, we're kind of, I don't want to use the word force because I don't think that's the right adjective, but we're we're in a position where we kind of have to try everything that comes out that we can get our hands on because you know that's just kind of what we do and you know obviously you want to be able to try as much as you can so you can talk about as much as you can you can know about everything that's out there um and the one thing about that you know perspective is you do have the opportunity to smoke through a lot of different things and i don't feel like as many people as one might think venture out as much as a lot of the media guys do not saying that nobody does but i think there's a lot of consumers are smoking a lot of different shit nowadays you know that's not what i'm saying but i still think that there's a large majority out there who maybe have went from being brand loyal to one specific brand or one specific cigar from one specific brand maybe maybe two uh to maybe more but just not as much and I feel like some of those people do themselves a disservice because there's some great stuff out there. I can't tell you how many times I've had a cigar. And Coop, I know you can say this too. Where you kind of go into something being like, I'm going to try it. I'm getting, being open-minded, but I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I don't normally like stuff from this company or I don't like usually like stuff from this factory or whatever it is. And then you smoke it and you're like, wow, that really surprised me. And then you end up buying more of those because you're like, you know what? I actually really enjoy that. And it's not something I'd normally buy from like that brand or factory yep. or whatever. But now I am because I like it. And, you know, you mentioned the judging the book by its cover. And I think that that still goes on to some extent today. And um, look, people are going to do what they want to do. And I'm not here to tell you what you're doing is wrong because it's not. Whatever you do for you is it's how it is. Yeah. And I don't believe mm -hmm. it is wrong. But, you know, for some of those people who are a little more closed-minded, try to explore a little more because I'm telling yeah. you, there's some surprises out there. You know, I'll never forget. There's a couple of things. You made such good points on that, what you just said. I remember, you know, my dad and I walked in. He came with me into a cigar store once, and you know, I'm, I'm, I, you know, you get one of those like trays, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I'm, you know, and I'm picking up, and I, I remember it was we were in Nat Sherman in New York, and I picked up some Nat Shermans. I think I picked up some Casadas, um, and, and a couple of other things. I have about eight or nine cigars, and, and he turns to me and he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And I'm like, who uh. says that to me? I'm like, what do you mean? I said, I'm picking up a cigar. He goes, can't you decide what the fuck you want? And, you know, he didn't quite understand that this is a guy who smoked Carlton cigarettes for 50 years. The right. same cigarette for 50 years, right? Yeah. And he, and you know, so, yeah, and, and he didn't even understand because his his father would smoke Optimo as the brand. The Optimo cigars is what he would smoke, right? So he had a brand, right? And then I, I kind of explained to him how it's different. It's handmade. You know, now it's about... It's kind of like the wine thing. My, my dad just didn't totally, he totally didn't understand that piece, right? Um, so you're right. In, in the media, we we tend to tie, we tend to try to go cast the net wide. I mean, we do. Now, when it comes to reviewing cigars, that's where I've had to learn a few lessons. Okay, so I've learned that basically web traffic is going to come from twenty percent, eighty percent of your web traffic is going to come from twenty percent of your brands. 
It's, that's just reality. It doesn't mean I'm not going to smoke the other stuff, and maybe I'll talk about it on a podcast or something. But what I've learned is, as far as keeping the business of Cigar Coop and keeping traffic, I have to go where the audience is with that a lot of times, right? So sometimes it may seem like I'm not – I may have – There's like I said, 20% of my companies – 20% of the companies are what I'm covering in reviews, but it is wider. I just want – but again, I have to kind of – keep the lights on so to speak so that's that's the other side of the coin yeah i mean you know i think i think and i've seen it too like you go into shops and well first of all actually let me back up because you know you talked about cigarettes right you know and we're always kind of trying to differentiate ourselves from other tobacco products otp especially cigarettes right and i feel Mm -hmm. like with cigarettes it's easier to be brand loyal because, I mean, and I, I look, I know that there's people who are going to be, like, totally disagreeing. And I'm not saying it's 100%. But what I'm saying is with cigarettes, like, I don't smoke cigarettes. I never have. So, like, I, I'm not speaking from that experience. But, I mean, I know enough about them to know. I mean, it's easier because it more or less, okay, there it is, more or less, not 100%. You know, cigarettes are kind of the same. And it's a different kind of smoking experience, and you smoke cigarettes for different reasons. And you know, you don't, you don't. People don't smoke cigarettes. I think this is a safe bet to say people don't smoke cigarettes for the enjoyment of the game and to enjoy the flavors of all different no. kinds of tobacco. No. People smoke cigarettes because they need a rush of nicotine, they need a smoke, and it's a couple minutes and it's over, and they move on. And their comfort zone There's a comfort zone of what's being delivered, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it. There's nothing more. It's nothing, you know. Yeah. Com- there's nothing complicated about smoking a cigarette. I mean, I, it, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's pretty safe to say. So it's like when people smoke. And look, this is one that everyone will agree with. You know, how many people out there who smoke cigarettes? Marlboro Reds. That's what they smoke. I mean, it's the number one cigarette in the world for the most part. Yeah. Marlboro Reds. And um. It's. I feel like it's easier to be brand loyal like that than it is to be brand loyal to a cigar because cigars are all so very different. I mean, this is kind of like, you and know. there's more, con- you know, inconsistency you're gonna get with with that as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You, you know, it was it was interesting because I remember uh, our friend. We both know this guy, Fred Rui. Oh yeah. Uh, now Fred, Fred Rui made a great point to me in an interview years ago, and he, this is when he had Nomad, mm-hmm. and. He said, you know, what he figured out was, he said, there's not people who are loyal to one of my cigars. He, they're not blend loyal, but they're brand loyal to me. And he figured that out earlier on. And, and that was his, and he was right. I mean, I think he was right. Nomad, it wasn't like that there was that one person buying the Nomad C276 cigar. It was that person who was continually supporting what Nomad was doing. And I think that's why it worked so well. And, you know, the other thing I'll say is you talk about loyal, uh, customer loyalty, right? I think the company – and I know he's out here listening, and, and I'm, but I'm not just trying to stroke it. The company has done the best job in, in probably the last five years of building up a loyalty program. you got to look at McAuliffe, what they've done. From the ground up, they've built that program, right? Yeah. And, and I watch that community every day, that ambassador community. That's an active community. There are people who are brand loyal in that community. And, you know, they're – you know. Whether that you know, you see when they just can't announce their new line extensions this week, people are excited yep. about those types of things. So that's when I see when when you see something like that, that's when I know you've, you've kind of connected with something um, with that. And like I said, cigarettes don't have. I guess it, you know, cigarettes were never given that opportunity to have like a Marlboro community. 
I think they, I think it probably they could have if they want if, if they were allowed to. They were never afforded that option, unfortunately, just the way the laws are set up. Cigars have been luckier in that respect. That's true. Um, yeah, I think what you said is true, and I also think that you know what I said before also kind of goes hand in with yeah. Too, is it's a different, yeah, it's a different thing. Um, like with a cigarette smoker, I mean, at the end of the day, you might only buy Marlboro Reds. But if you're out and you need a cigarette and someone's like, well, you know, I got fucking, give me another one, like a camel. Not a camel crush, just like a regular camel uh, or an L&M, uh, you know, Winston, you know, any of the other brands, right? Lucky Strike if you're old school like that and you think yeah. you're like hip. Um, you know, and hey, I, I have these. They're going to be like, all right, I'll bum a cigarette. And they're going to move on with their day and it's not going to like, you know. Yeah. But there's cigar people out there who be like, hey, you know, I got this, you know, um, you know, I got I got a I got a cigar from you know, Drew State. You know, oh no 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 no. I only smoke like you know LFD. I only smoke LFD. I, I can't have. It. I'll wait and get an LFD. And there's people like that. And it's like, yeah, I get it to an extent. But it's like you know, don't do yourself yeah. a disservice. There's a lot of good stuff out there. I mean, there's so many different options when it comes to blends. You know what I mean? It's like uh, I I definitely agree with you on that too. Um. You know, I think that's very important to say. You know, I, what's amazing is, you know, I go look at my dad's life, and, and I remember when he switched from, I think it was Paul Mall to his brand Carlton. I think this was like 1972, right before my sister was born. And uh, this was before my sister was born. And he kept that brand for 50 years. I mean, every day would smoke the same brand. I don't even drink Diet Coke every day, okay? Yeah. And this is a guy. So I know. I was going to say, some, you know, it's, I've, it's, I've, it's, not to cut you off. Finish your thing, no. but I just want to say, that's right. I've seen you cheat on Diet Coke with Pepsi, and that's uh, sure. sin. But there's days I don't even have soda, right? <laughs> but yeah, I have cheated on it exactly. But again, this is so. I mean, I just I'm I'm blown away. Look, I love cigars. Uh, there's no way I'm smoking the same cigar every day for one year. Okay. Yeah. Maybe a, maybe a brand. I, I see people they do like the es, there's the Espinosa 365 groups, and uh, I think Saka's got one too. Where they but again, they're brand loyalty groups. They're not like someone smoking the same. I'll tell you, I think on our team, on the Coop team, we have one person who is a blend loyal guy, and that's Aaron Nielsen, who smokes the High Clark Castle every day. Really? Now, he smokes other stuff, but every day, he, yeah, I mean, this is a true guy. He's got a true rotation cigar. He buys these, buys several boxes a month, and he has at least one of those High Clark Castles a day. I've seen it. At trade shows and stuff, he brings them. So he is abs- he is an exception, is what I'll say uh, to that. But he'll try. He loves like chasing down other stuff too. So it's not like he just limits himself to that. But he does have a cigar he really enjoys, and and will smoke on a, on a consistent, regular basis. And that's that's an anomaly we have. I don't think I can name anyone else in the media who does that. You know, I tried going like real, sp- like real, like yeah. Uh... I don't want to say brand loyal, but yeah, like brand loyal. Like I, there's been like several times where I like I I have I'll go to the cabinet and I'll I'll look at you know all the boxes and I'll find out and I'm like all right I'm gonna grab this box and I'm just gonna smoke this box till it's empty and I get probably like five sticks in and I'm like I just I wanted something else like I'm already sick of it not that I don't like the cigar anymore like I'm I was, but I'm just like I just want something different now like I, I like I don't know how people could just smoke the same cigar over and over again like daily. Because to me, I'm like, I need the variety in my life. I don't know. Uh, but that's me. And that's why I said it's also subjective. It's not wrong if you do. It's There's, not, there's no wrong answer on that. I don't know. I just think it's more fun to like just smoke different stuff all the time. I don't know. 
I also have ADD, so I I get sick of everything very quickly. So I, I'm also kind of like on an island of my own, so to speak. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I and I go yeah, and you know it's interesting because today yeah today's actually a review break day for me, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not. I didn't smoke anything for review today, and this is a rare time I'm picking something up and enjoy. I. I we recorded jukebox earlier, and uh, I picked. I was smoking a dab of Winston Churchill late hour, mm. and now you know I'm, I'm smoking it. And this is something. This is a rarity where, when I do these shows, I actually don't review something on the air. But this is an actual day where I've been able to enjoy cigars for the, and, and not having to worry about taking notes or anything about uh, something. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, and it's not just specific to tobacco. I mean, I know. Yay, Bear's here with us. Pats, he's here. Um, and it's funny. I I know people like people who drink wine who like, I only drink California reds. Yep. And I'm like, okay. Now, granted, that's a little bit more of a broader thing. Cause I mean, you I mean, it's not, that's not winery specific. It's just, but it's like, you know, it's kind of, it's very similar though. There's so many different wines out there. I mean, I mean, even 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 if you're just loyal to California Reds, I mean, you're talking like hundreds of different blends of wine. But, I mean, I don't know. It's just like I love trying wines from different regions. You know, I like to drink a lot of California Reds. I like to drink Italian Reds. I like to drink French Reds. I got really into French Reds a couple years ago. Um, you know, uh, Spanish Reds is something that like I want to get into next, where I really explore a lot of Spanish wine. So it's like. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I, I just I love the variety and uh, sure, sure. Not that it's wrong though. If you're not, I mean, I just I just hope that people it, know, like, hey, like, don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone once in a while. You might find something new. You're like, oh, you know what? I love the Spanish red now. Like, I used to only drink California reds, and now, oh man, I found a couple of Spanish reds, and I'm like, damn, these are way better. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, spice it up. That's all. Yeah. No. I mean. Um... I agree. I mean, like I said, wines are a good example. Coffees are a good example of things like that. Um, yeah, that's true. So, so it, 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 you know, and it, it's kind of interesting because when people, like I said, the, the thing going back with my dad, he just didn't understand. He never understood what I did for a long time. Um, but that was, I remember, that was the moment he had where he just was like, like, he, because he, again, he looked at these as big cigarettes. He really did. He didn't, yes, he smoked cigars, but he didn't, in his mind, they were just, they were one and the same. Yeah, know? yeah. So it was kind of interesting. Do you think that's a generational thing? Yeah, I do. Because again, his dad, like when the machine maids came, like my dad grew up in the age of when the machine made cigars were very big. Right. His dad was smoking Optimos every day, which are you know, the machine those machine made cigars. Yeah. So so I think it definitely was a generational thing for sure, um, because the handmade thing really didn't. The, I think the handmade revolution came. Much later than that, you know, I think it was it wasn't, you know, never went away. But I think, you know, really in the 90s is when that just exploded. So and by then, you know, his dad had long been gone and, you know, it's, it was a different world by then. Um, Jay Davis is, is really brand loyal and he's uh, very brand loyal to Colombian cocaine specifically. Uh, cocaine Cowboys. That's right. Yeah. I mean, God, cocaine Cowboys out of Dallas, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny i saw someone share a meme today and it was uh the picture of dak prescott and it was like well let's just get this out of the way now and it was like dallas cowboys eliminated from the playoffs i was like damn some of these people are <laughs> ruthless you know 
<laughs> I got to say this about the Cowboy fans. <laughs> They'll call out their team when they suck, though. I'll just say that. They don't hide. and <laughs> They don't hide any time of the year. So uh, I'll give them – like, I hate the Cowboys with every fiber of my being, but I will never knock a Cowboy fan because I do believe they really uh, – they, they stick with their team in a lot of cases, uh, you know, but they, they've learned to suck it up over the years. Let's put it like that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. Look, I I'd like to knock the Dallas Cowboys as much as every other non-Dallas Cowboys fan, but, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I wait till the season starts. You know, I I wait for like week one or two, and then I kind of get into it. I mean, the the full training camp hasn't even started yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I mean, and look, I've seen uh, I've sat through six horrendous years with the Giants, um, I've you know I've always kept an eye on the Jets, uh, because. You know, growing up in New York, so I've seen it all. Um, uh, you gotta be careful about throwing uh, things into glass houses. Let's put stones into glass houses. Did you? Did, did you ever see? Did you ever see the uh, the Two Bills documentary on ESPN? Yes. Do you remember? Do you remember when they like walk them through, and they go upstairs to like the the Hall of Fame, wherever they have all the trophies and everything, and um, they're standing there, and, and Belichick says to Parcells, he goes. Oh, well, there's our two right there. Oh yeah, yeah. And then and then and then Belichick goes, oh, "This is the two we gave him." <laughs> like even for me, it's kind of funny. It's just, it's just yeah, it's like, well, this is the two we yeah. gave him. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. I'll give you that. that I can I can oh, have yeah. some humor on those two losses with you on that aspect. Yeah, I'm absolutely. like that was funny. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Which, by the way, speaking of football and Patriots and Belichick, um, you know the NFL schedules were released this week. And uh-huh. uh, the Patriots have announced yep. that uh, week one or opening night. Well, not week one. I think they hope week one on the road. But the first, the home opener at Gillette, right, will be Tom Brady night. And Tom is going to come back and they're going to celebrate him. And I'm really glad because I, I, I don't know why. I, I, I kind of felt like I had this feeling like Tom, like, wasn't going to do anything with the Patriots. I had that feeling. Even though I'm like, I don't know. I felt like maybe he just felt like he he didn't need to go back and do anything with them for a little bit. But I'm glad to see he is because I mean, I mean, it's the right thing to do. He had a couple parties. years with the Bucks. I know. He, I know. Maybe yeah. behind closed doors, it didn't end well. But like, I mean, the Patriots is what people are gonna remember him for. You know. I was a little surprised he did. They didn't let him retire as a Patriot. I think so they want. Kind of, no, I think they, they wanted may, him to. I maybe, don't think he did. I don't think he did. Because there's, a, you know, that there's for folks that don't know, there's kind of like this ceremonial thing where you sign a one-day contract to retire with the team, and I can, the guy who's most famous for doing it was Joe Montana. He yep. went to the Chiefs for a couple of years, and then he signed a one-day contract with the 49ers to retire as a 49er. Um, it it's happens kind in of baseball. a silly thing. Nomar yeah, did it, it with the baseball. Red Sox. Yep. 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 Yeah, I forgot about that. Nomar did it with the Red Sox. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a silly thing, but it's kind of a cool thing. So, look, I think this is a good – with all the Brady uh, bashing I've done over the years, this is the right thing to do. This is absolutely – and I think it's a great way to open the season. And I give credit to Mr. Kraft, who I think is a great owner, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he has contributed so far and beyond to the – Patriots are one thing, but this is a guy – remember, people forget this is a guy who saved the NFL season one year uh, with the labor negotiations. Single yeah. hand – with his wife dying. With his wife dying. And he, he got involved to try to save that – what could have been a mess, by the way. So – uh, he always will have my respect on that. You know, I think, you know, like your team loyalty aside, when you, when you look at the game, you look at the business part of it. Because uh, remember, uh-huh. at the end of the day, professional sports, it's entertainment and it's business. 
it's yeah. you know as a fan like yeah it's cool but at the end of the day like everyone involved in the professional leagues people who own teams the players it is a business it's it i know that people will argue it's different than you know when we go to work and whatever but on when you boil it down on paper i mean professional sports i mean that's it's it's a bigger scale and there's a lot more money yes i know it's different but it boils down to the same thing it's a job it's a business they're there to make money you know it, so um you know Kraft bought the patriots and the stadium he bought all of it for 174 million back in the 90s the patriots organization organization today is worth i i think it's like five or six billion dollars Oh, it's I mean, easily in the billions. Yeah, you you, you have well, to you have to give him credit for that. I mean, he he's yeah. he's. I mean, and and you know, I mean, guy had a little incident that wasn't so great a couple of years ago. A little everyone place. makes a mistake, but well, everyone makes mistakes, and they he shouldn't be. You know, he's. I, I believe in second chances. I, I he made a mistake. We had fun making fun of him over that mistake. Look, he's a lonely old guy. He just wanted to get a little. Attention, okay? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm not kill anybody. My thing is, yeah. And look, and and, and this is going to be a very, I know, this is going to be a very unpopular thing to say, okay? But you got to give a lot of credit, and I know he's hated Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell has built this thing into an absolute machine uh, with with the contracts he's negotiated with the networks and stuff like that. Um, you know, I think now he has seen the light as far as, you know, I think now the NFL, look, the NFL could say they're not gambling, but look, when, when fantasy football came, <laughs> no one turned an eye on it, right? And fantasy football, as much as I'm not a fan of it anymore, I don't play it anymore, but mm. you can't deny what it's done for the sport. I mean. And now that, you know, sports betting is being legalized in more states outside of just Nevada, um, I, I it, it, it is. It, it gives people more of an interest in the game and they have something involved in it. I think it's I think yep. sports betting, responsible sports betting is good for the game because it, it, it'll bring more attention yep. to the yeah, game I've, because I've, people I've, feel like they have something involved in it and you know, ergo it, it, it brings people in. So I think it's great. You know, and I, I will say while I don't think Goodell is the best commissioner of all time, I would say when you put him up against the four like commissioners of the leagues, I think that he's definitely not the worst. Um, I think I think uh, I think me and you will probably agree on who is the worst out of the four. Yeah, um, I think we all agree who the worst I, is. I think we all know Manfred. who it is. And I think he needs Manfred. to. I think he needs to go. <laughs> but uh, like you know, Adam Silver's done a decent job with the NBA. I mean, he's I done a great he, job. I think yeah. he, he's I not he's, he's not perfect. No one's perfect, but he's done a good job. No, no. you know, Goodell was. Uh, has made some mistakes, but you know, in the NFL, and believe me, there's things about the NFL that I disagree with. I think they should change. I'm not going to get into all that, but I don't agree with some of the stuff. But you know, league's still going. The NBA, I think the game isn't what it was 20 years ago, which is disappointing, and it's why I don't watch it as much. But the NBA is still successful. Um, you know, the NHL, man, the NHL. Can I say? I mean, I mean, Bettman's made some mistakes too with the NHL. Mm-hmm. Let's be clear; he has. I mean, he, he kept them out for a whole year, and I don't think that should be. He should be given a check for that. Um, but you know, and he definitely he brought a lot of hockey to the south part of the U.S. I mean, that's a lot of him at the expense, unfortunately, at the expense of Canada. So yeah, but he is. But I'll say he's made some very good decisions to keep that league uh, financially uh, solvent, which is good. 
Uh, you're right, Adam Adam Silver, I think, has done... The one thing I like about what Adam Silver did is uh, the playing concept, I think, was genius. I think it kind of gave the NFL, the NBA, a little life with some of those bubble teams getting in, and, you know, it kind of gives you a reason for this kind of give you a reason to kind of get into the playoffs. I think that whole playing concept is cool. So I think they've done a good job with that. If you told uh, me back in like November, December that the Lakers would be where they are now, I would have laughed at you. Oh, and the Lakers and the Heat. Yeah. Look, and no the one, Heat. I mean, I, but, but I did think the Lakers were red hot going into the playoffs this year and dangerous. The way they were. And because as long as they have uh, D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Davis playing well, uh, with LeBron, that's a dangerous combination. But they they're inconsistent. Those two guys with LeBron. So, but yeah, I mean, if you told me people were talking about the Lakers possibly getting a, a lottery pick, I mean, that's what be, that's what this was being talked about. Uh, Darvin Ham has done a tremendous job coaching that team this year. And look, I know people hate LeBron. You can't take away from what LeBron has done for that team this year. You can't. I don't like LeBron personally. Okay? I don't either. But the but the guy look the guy the guy he's not Jordan the guy that's a that's a that's a dopey argument right because it's a different different eras right he's the best player of our era right now of the era maybe but all time no. you, but 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 it's Jordan like, and I hear this Jordan thing all the time how come no one says Bill Russell or Kareem when how come Jordan has never put up against Bill Russell or Kareem. You really want to get into this tonight? <laughs> not, re- not really. Not really. But I, I, look, I, I think Jordan is a great player and deserves his place absolutely on Mount Rushmore. So there's no argument. He's a Mount Rushmore oh, yeah. player. I'd pro- yeah, Russell is too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ru- Russell is Kareem, too. And, and yep. Kareem. And then that fourth one, I don't think LeBron. I think LeBron, you can make an argument. I think there's a lot of other guys you can make an argument for. That's the fourth one's the tough one, I think. Larry and Magic. Yeah. Larry, yeah, you got Larry and Magic in there for sure. Great. Um. Yeah, so, but uh, yeah, but I know, you know what you're saying, and and and, and yeah. it's it's funny because yeah. it, Jay Davis made a comment. Uh, let me bring this back up here. Yeah, as much as I hate all the changes in baseball right now, Manfred may have saved baseball, and he will have a strong legacy when he is gone. William Cooper. He's not wrong on that, Jay. Look, um, we'll, I think time will tell how these how these things affect the game. Let's see how it translates into attendance and ratings and profitability. So we have to see how it was. If the games get people like shorter games, right? And um, you're not getting better attendance or profitability. You haven't done shit, right? So that, that's kind of where I'll, I'll go to. I, I mean, I, I, I admit that that part of it surprised me. I mean, I still don't like the the Phantom Runners on second. That that needs to go. That's horrible. I mean, we I don't need like that. that at all. I don't. We don't need that. We it makes the that. game feel yeah. like it's uh, that aspect. I'll be honest with you. It makes me feel like baseball. When I see that, it reminds me of wrestling. You know, what I mean? look. I'm just gonna say it. If you're a hard yeah, 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 res- wrestling yeah. is fake. Let's just get it out there. If you don't believe, you're no different than a flat earther. But at the end of the day, wrestling is a choreographed event. And when I see the Phantom Runner thing in Major League Baseball, I'm like, wow, this makes baseball feel less authentic. It's kind of like the shootout, and it's kind of like the shootout in hockey. Yeah, but at least with the yeah, but at least with the shootout, like, I don't know. I feel like the shootout is kind of different. It it still is. I mean, because we that's a big debate. Okay, I know what you're saying, and I don't think that you're 100 percent wrong. I'm not saying that, right. but I feel like it's, it's a little it. different. 
I don't. What I'll say is I don't like it either. I would just prefer. I don't like it. In, I hate it in soccer. I hate that a World yeah. Cup's decided on penalty kicks. That's, soccer that's, has it. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, uh, at least they're not doing it in the playoffs with baseball, and I'll give uh, I'll give them credit. Uh, and, and look, I've said this. I was a big proponent of having a DH in the AL and no DH in the NL. Had that rule change not happened last year, the Phillies wouldn't be in the World Series because Harper wouldn't have been able to play because right. he DH'd so, going in, so, down the stretch. So I'm just going to say we benefited enormously from that rule change. Even though I hated that rule change about the DH, the Phillies totally benefited from that. You know, um, I'd love to see it still go back, but I'm not going to lie that we benefited from that last year. Yeah, it's true. It's yeah. true. I yeah. like it. I the DH thing, uh, it doesn't that that doesn't bother me as much. Um look, offensively, even in the National League, you know, how many pitchers you know were, you know, above, you know, average at at the plate. Not no, it was I mean, look, I mean it's not like league, I, I I feel like having the universal DH league wide is kind of a better thing for everybody i i like the fact that the al and the nl had two separate sets of rules that's what i liked about it but you're right even in the minor in the minor leagues they had already gone to dhs so you know these pitchers were coming up and not having to bat to begin with right so uh but then you have like a really cool thing like otani out in, in la that's yeah. a really what we're seeing out there is is a once in a, in a lifetime generational player we're seeing there uh, we have a comment from David. Did either of you lose your taste and smell when you had COVID? How long did it take to come back? I didn't have COVID. I didn't have COVID. Yeah, you never so had it. I can't, I, uh, so I can't say. Um, I wore my mask. So uh, that's another debate. <laughs> but no, I've been lucky is what I'll say. Um, but I do know some people who lost their, their uh, cigar smokers who did lose it and others who didn't. Uh, and it was just it was varying things. Some people got it back within days, and some people I know one person it took about eight or nine months to get it back. Yeah, yeah, um, so I, was, yeah. I I think I had it, and I never, but I never had that. I never lost the, the taste or the smell. Um, it was pretty mild. So yeah, I didn't really have any changes from yeah. that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I know people who have sure. Um, yeah. and kind of, I, I echo exactly what Coop said. I'm kind of in the same boat on that. So, um, I mean, losing your palate sucks, but most, everyone I know who lost it, it came back eventually, whether it was quickly or long, they did get it. Yeah. Back, so. Everyone was, di everyone was different. Yeah. Is, uh, at least the cigar people I talked to. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to take a quick second to remind everybody that tonight we are cutting and lighting our cigars with none other than Cigar Blondie Accessories, the double guillotine cutter, and the flat blade flame lighter right here. They are available in three amazing finishes, chrome, black, and white, and they are available at CigarBlondie.com. Check them out today. Great accessories. We rely on them yep. every week. Great yeah, just a great uh, – that, that fan flame, uh, so unique. The cutter is—I use this cutter every day. Uh, all I do is clean the blades on it. Um, it stayed sharp. It's been sharp. So uh, I love the—I've talked about how I love the feel of this cutter. It does sit nice in the, in, in your fingers. It, it is very well designed. Good job by uh, by uh, Leo on the, on this line. One hundred percent. 
Yeah, and that's an interesting point you made. You know how many people I run into who are like, oh, I need a new cutter. And I'm like, oh, why? What's wrong with it? And they're like, oh, it's just dull. And I'm like, have you cleaned it? And they're like, no. And they look at you, you gotta like, get those you got, like you got three heads and you're like, clean it. Yeah. Yeah, like this this cutter here, it, you know, it's got, it's a little, I just kind of opened it, right? It's yep. not the blondie one, but it's a little dirty. It's the, the blades are a little dirty. So it's sticking a little, right? Yep. So if you don't clean these blades and then when you try to open it, it's gonna it's gonna put some stress on this, and the and springs and thing will break. So it, it also will contribute to the to the lifespan of your your uh, you know. I, what I tell people is I use a uh, on a, I usually use a light amount of alcohol on it, uh, alcohol prep like an alcohol prep wipe, and I just wipe it down, and then I'll wipe it with a tissue or something to kind of get any residue resi off that, and it works great. Yeah, I use alcohol. You know, when it comes to like servicing my accessories. Um... I use alcohol a lot myself and yeah. you know for so for example like on my cutters I use it on the blades uh on the lighter like on the tor on the torch lighters um the cigar blondie one it I don't really have to do it plus the opening is really small on there and you guys right. can kind of see that it's for, versus yeah. like an ST DuPont Maxi Jet has the like the the uh like the aperture almost to it so when you open it it opens it's up it's cool it yeah I I'll get it open there is a way to open it without igniting, uh, and I'll I'll clean like the the tip of the the like the jet head, uh, and I'll do that on a couple of other lighters that I have, and then like for example, uh, I have a I have well we have multiple line twos the SD Dupont line or the the ping the flip top, and if you don't have one of those and you don't use it, what will happen over time, is and I don't have mine with me, but the on the inside on the top, you know you have. Like the flint tray on the top, yep. And then you have the the port where the where the gas comes out, and you know it's all chrome or gold or whatever, depending on which one you have. That whole like inside part, like not even just like one spot, like that whole inside, it gets like all black and like charry and it build up on it. And it, it, if you let it sit for a while, it it just all builds up, and the whole inside of it just looks gross. And one of the best ways to clean them is I get a Q-tip with some with some rubbing alcohol. I just put it in there. I tap Very, it's yep. not too wet and I just use that and I just I just scrub the whole inside and I clean everything uh, which is really the best thing to do the alcohol evaporates it'll burn off you, know, you don't yep. want to use water you don't ever want to put water especially in a lighter uh, yep. I know some people who will soak a cutter if it gets really bad to an extent I think that's fine as long as you dry it all the way when you're done and you make sure you get all the water out of it if you know like uh, I, have a, I have an XO right here you know so as long as you get it like inside all here where it, you have internal openings and stuff. You want to get it out of there so it just doesn't rust yep. or whatever. Um, yep. I think that's okay. But, yeah, alcohol is really the best. And um, it's a great point that got brought up. I don't even remember how we came to that. But um, we, were talking about the, we were talking about the uh, Cigar Blondie. Yeah, no, and I, I, but I think it's, I think it's a great idea, and I, you know, it, it's, it's a good topic to bring up for, for the people who, who might not know. Yeah, uh, yeah rubbing alcohol, uh, cleaning, you know, cutters and lighters. It goes a long way, especially, and it's not something people really talk about. Cleaning those jet heads is, in my experience, it's important, especially on lighters you use very often, because you get yeah. that kind of that that. And Coop, you know what I'm talking about. You get that gold brownish kind of tinge on them after a while. Yeah, um, it is gunk that builds up on them, kind of. Yeah, it's and it's gunk. good. Yeah, and it's good to just keep that all clean. You know, so you have yeah all the gas coming out evenly, and you don't have any like misfiring issues. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's good to always take care of your stuff. Yeah, yeah. What uh, I'm getting ready to go to my 
next cigar tonight, and I'm trying to decide. I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go Angel this... Cuesta. Nice. I haven't smoked mine yet. I think we were talking. I gotta say, this Romeo is smoking fantastic. Yeah. Oh, it's it's well aged. It's 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 not a strong cigar. It's tons of flavor I'm getting off of this. Um, really a good cigar. My burn may be a little wonky, but but usually when I do a show, that happens, so it's not terrible. It's not like uh, meandering. It's just a little rough around the edges, but that will happen when I do a show. Right. So yeah, the Angel Questa. Um, I have it. I haven't. Uh, I haven't smoked it yet. So uh, I thought it. I, so I smoked. I first smoked the Toro. I'm smoking the Robusto now. Yeah, I use like I'm usually one. I always put everything for 21 days. Um, in this case, we got some from J.C. Newman, and I have to split them up for the team, which I ha I've been have done yet. So I have to do that as well. Close foot um, on the cigar, which is very interesting. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, flavor that comes out of it, and it's quite different. From a lot of the cigars from J.C. Newman that I've smoked, I mean, I've smoked pretty much all of them at this point. But I feel like this cigar is is very different than a lot of the other J.C. Newman cigars. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely um, uh, one. I mean, well, what's I mean, the big difference of it is it is a U.S. made cigar, mm -hmm. so it is coming out over whole, but it's not a all American cigar. Um, it does use tobaccos. Um, it uses other tobaccos, so. You know, they always say when tobacco is moved from one place to another, it could be a little different. Um, and, uh, you know, it doesn't use all American parts on the packaging, but uh, it's a very limited cigar because, again, I, they have a very small rolling team at that factory. It's uh, And I think know, this cigar specifically, I've seen them rolling the cigar when I was at the factory. Um, I have a video of it from somewhere. Um, and I, there's only two people who rolled this cigar. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, and and from what I remember, there is there are plans for more American-made cigars, though. Um, maybe not Puros, but the this whole like what they're doing out of El Rahol is under this banner called Fourth Generation Cigar Company, which is really Drew Newman's kind of baby. So the American was the first release, and there's some other releases that they're that they've planned. And you know J.C. Newman, if they say they're doing something in a year, it's three years later. Um, because they kind of follow the Fuente model, mantra. They don't rush the hands of time. They don't no. care if it's going to be two years late. If, it, if they don't – like one thing I can always say about a J.C. Newman product, it is always ready when it hits the market. I've never come to say, wow, well, i got to sit this thing for four months. No, it's always ready. To, maybe it's not my – it's not going to hit my palate, but I can always say that cigar is ready to smoke. The so. Toro – I'm being very open and honest here. Um, the Toro at first was much more bitter. Uh huh. Not necessarily in a bad way, just but much deeper bitter yep. than I'm used to, uh, especially with one of their cigars. And so far, this one is actually a lot less bitter. Uh, this one has a little bit of a different flavor to it. So far, I mean, not drastically different. It's still, you know, on par, but. It's not as intense as the Toro was, which I find interesting. Yeah. And the okay. other thing about this, I don't think the entire blend has been disclosed. Has it? 
of the Angel I Quest. Think I don't only, think it has. I think only the. Excuse me. I think only the wrapper has been disclosed. Uh, let's see. I'm just looking at Coop here. Blah, blah, blah. Verifying um, that with and, you. Uh, yes, it is only the wrapper. And they call Ecuador and Habana. It's really Habano wrapper. But yeah, it's undisclosed binder and filler. Um, which is probably telling me it's Fuente tobacco. <laughs> so, oh, really? Sorry. I, I mean, that's, you, you know, <laughs> that would be my guess. <laughs> so, um, I can't say it's all Dominican, you know, who knows where it's coming from, but I, that's, yeah, that's, that would be my guess on it. Um, and, you know, look, if you haven't seen the final packaging of that thing in the box, oh, man. And I have, uh, let's I give, have another one here with all the bands on it. Yeah, it's got the band. And when they lay those in the box, they're in those slots. You know, I just saw Jay's comment about he's getting them and uh, finally getting them, and they gave these to the TAA first. Uh, you know, what I'll just say about the TAA. Oh, man, do we want to kick that up again? Uh, that's just how they work, the TAA. It's just, uh, no, we're not going to kick that up because uh, we don't want to talk TAA anymore. Well, I will say this. So TAA has passed. TPE has passed. And uh, it is May 13th, so it's still a wee bit early, but not too early um, for the pre-PCA. We're going to probably get much deeper into that in June. But uh, we are starting to see the first few announcements being made on what's coming to PCA from manufacturers. Yep. Um, now, one of the – so I have a couple of them in front of me. Um, we can talk about these a little bit. Yeah, I, I, have, I have the list in front of me as well, so uh, we could definitely talk about them. So let's, are some, yep. let's start with United. Oh, N man. Now, United. They're already off, they're off, off to the races already. So last year, all we talked about before, during, and after the trade show last year was United. Yeah. I mean, I, most of the shows, it's all we talked about. They were the booth we wanted to see. We went to the booth. Tons of stuff we saw, and then on our, all of our post-game shows, it's all. It was one of the first yep. things we talked about. I mean, they had a great trade show last year. Alfonso came out. They brought some concepts for some other stuff. There's another Alfonso line that does exist, but it's not being released. Um, we saw the Adobe Humidor, which was one of the things that's been announced that will be available at the trade show this year. For yeah, they weren't taking orders for that last year. It was just on display. No, but now they will be. Yep, yep. And that's very exciting, and I think that's yep. fantastic. Um, the other thing that United announced, and we can spend a few minutes on this because it's kind of interesting, is yep. they have announced that they will be making the Atabay Black Ritos, which was the first cigar NFT, for those who remember from a couple years ago, before even before LFD did theirs. They were the first NFT, even though it wasn't a, there were no cigars associated with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think they get lost with this. Because I know Oliver is probably saying, "Hey, we created the first, and they did. They did, but they, but they, this was completely conceptual. They were doing it was all digital art, and now they're but actually it, bringing that cigar to market." Yeah, I, I, I knew that was. I mean, not that I had any info was gonna happen, but when they put out that digital art, I'm like, that didn't, that just didn't get pulled out of left field. Like I think they, and knowing that Nelson Alfonso ages this stuff for years, right? I'm like. At some point, they're going to release this. Uh, so. Yeah, it's also not something yeah. I think Nelson is, is. I don't think Nelson's the kind of guy to like tease something that will never happen. No. It, it, like I'm sure that he has ideas in the background, concepts that might have never been made, and that's one thing. But, but to publicly but show, this one, 
he must have known like we're gonna do this, but like it this has already been rolled. See, but I knew about certain projects, and you did too. Certain United selected tobacco projects that were in the works, like Nelson, the Nelson line, yeah, the uh, Alfonso. We knew about those lines, right? This one they kept very much under wraps. I mean, this one was really kept quiet. Um, and you know, and I think at the time when they released the NFT, which was I think two years ago, they didn't. Nelson's probably saying, "Hey, look, I'm aging these cigars. I can't tell you if they're going to be any good, right?" So maybe there was no commitment to release them. Uh, but this is an absolute um, genius move by, again, the Selected Tobacco United just executing. And uh, they have a very limited supply, so the United Lounges will be getting them, and anyone who bought the NFTs will be able to get them. And I think – I'll assume if you bought, like, the, an NFT box, which was more expensive than an NFT single piece, right, mm-hmm. you'll be able to get more of them. I don't know how that's going to work, though. I assume they'll probably direct them to a – a United re- uh, Lounge to get them. Right. Uh, I have. I haven't had a chance to ask Oliver how that's going to work yet. I forget how many of those did they sell. I forget. They. They. According to what I saw, Oliver, I think there's a few still left. Would they? Go they had for quite it? a. Uh, Jay is know. saying I, that NFT is worth about 185 thousand now. Before the for the Atabay. I I, I. I. I think so. Oh, cor- uh, correction, eighteen hundred and seventy-five. Okay, it's still pretty good. It's it's very different, uh, but yeah. <laughs> but if you, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh, but yeah, I mean, I know what he was saying. Still, you know, and I and I think again, you know, I this the problem that United had when they did this is they didn't do anything wrong, right? But when they announced this, like for guys like me, we didn't even know what an NFT was. So they had the they had the difficult task of trying to explain to a, a simpleton like me, like who's an old fart, right, what this was all about. And it took me like a day to figure it out, right? <laughs> so I couldn't get my arms around. It. Now, you know, we're we're two years later and you know, I know that uh LaFleur has done some things with it and now uh Abe's getting ready to launch his sometime this year. And Castagli Cigars has now done something with it. Uh, so it's a little different, but back then Oliver had the difficult job of trying to explain what the fuck this is, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, give them credit; they bore the first, um, and they have now they're bringing this full circle uh, to the trade show, which I think is a brilliant. This is again talk about United executing on all cylinders here. Um, they Oliver knows what he's doing. I agree, and. So far, and I and I bet you there's going to be more announcements from United, uh, as you know. I mean, we're beginning yeah, of May right they, now. We got we got a lot of time. Well, they had one other. The uh, the Red Anchor uh, line extensions are coming. Oh yes, that's true. You did you have Red Anchor on your list? Mm-hmm. Uh let me tell. Yeah, we did. Holy cow, the Red Anchor's smoking good right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just kind of we did one. We had Hendrick Kellner on our show a few weeks ago. Uh, I smoked one, and now it's gone through a review cycle. Um, that, 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 that red anchor is a hell of a cigar. It uh, really is. It is. They did a great yeah, job with is. that. They did a really good job with it. Um, it's not for everybody is what I'll tell you. I think that's true. I think yeah, that's it's true. not for everybody. If you're, if you're like someone who likes heavy Nicaraguan tobaccos, this cigar will do nothing for you is what I'll just tell you. But, uh, but it's, it's kind of, it's kind of got some Davidoff qualities and then it's got some unique qualities, I think too. I'm trying to find it. 
I know I did the story on that, and I can't. Uh, this I can tell you when the story was from. Uh, it was from March March seventh. I it was oh, published. it's way back in March. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, they they were the first PCA twenty three announcement, I believe, was them. So they're coming out with with uh four new sizes. One of them is an event size called the Cooper. Uh, it's a four mm. and a half by forty three. Now, I did say to Hendrick, uh, and Oliver I think was listening. I said, "Don't worry, I am not going to do a trademark challenge on this with you guys. So you guys can go ahead and use the Cooper name on this cigar." So, and in reality, uh, I don't because you know, I don't have a product called Cooper, so there's not much I can do on it. But uh, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it yeah, there is a, something called the Cooper, um, and I would highly, I think it's probably going to be the best cigar on the line too. So. That's the problem. Now, how do I review the Cooper? <laughs> Thinking, if I well, give it a good review, everyone's going to say, yeah. Hey, you know what? It, it's it's better than someone coming to the trade show last year and calling their booth a cigar coop. Well, we won't go to that, but yeah. I know, uh, I, know, yeah, especially, I know. Especially since I interviewed them the year. I did a whole, I did a whole article on them, too. Uh, and then, well, we didn't know. Like, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh, or 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 someone at the trade show displaying a cigar, saying, "I can't talk about this because I promised cigar aficionado an exclusive." I mean, how ridiculous was that? So, yeah, it's just like it, you're displaying it at the trade show, taking orders for it. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. There's so much hypocrisy out there, and I always find that entertaining. You know, there's it, there's companies out there who talk so much about how they don't want to do anything with cigar aficionado and this and that. But then they kind of play by the same rules, yep. and I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, um, we've hit this. I know we beat this one a lot, and you know I'm, I'm tired of being the minor leaguer. Is what I just say. You know, it's convenient to give me a. You know, if you if you don't feel comfortable enough giving me your national releases, okay, then I'll decide if I feel comfortable pursuing it or not. So uh, you know, there's some companies I have. Uh, very good relationships with that do have the aficionado relationships, and I'm not going to win that battle. Oh, it but doesn't. I didn't even it, necessarily mean with them, just in general. Yeah, but that's all. Well, the hypocrisy is is they hate them, right? Until they get the rating, or mm. until they get, and then they have the ranking, right? So you know, if they get if they hate them, well, if they get over a 90, thank you, cigar aficionado. And if they get a top 25, you know, they're bowing and curtsying. So, I mean, it's 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 funny how I see this happen. I've seen it. I can tell you countless brands. I've, I've seen some companies basically say I don't give a shit. Like, I remember when Romacraft got the top 25 one year. They Skip didn't do it. I give him credit. He didn't He didn't play the game. I, I, I respect him on that. Hmm, he didn't yeah. change. He, was, he said thank you, and that was it. You know, and that, that's what he did. Yeah, very classy. Yeah. And, and you know, he, not saying he wasn't happy about it, right? But he, because I'm sure he was. I mean, it's a, it's still a big thing to get. But he said thank you. He handled it really well, and uh, good for him on that. Yeah. The um. Actually, I don't think this is a PCA release. Um, another one that we heard. I mean, it probably will be at PCA, but I don't think it's for PCA. Room 101's announcement this week that they're bringing the the 70 ring gauge, big payback. That's yeah, not, you know, that's this not a PCA is... release. Though. I think it's coming up before, right? No, but it will be. I think it will be featured at the PCA because we're getting close right. enough to it. Yeah. So yeah, uh, they're bringing back the '70s, but it's a new blend. Um, I hate judging a blend by its book by its cover, but I have nothing against the '70 ring gauge cigar. 
But that rapper, every time I see General use it, it's Alonso Alonso San Augustine. I just it's a terrible it's a terrible rapper time and time again. Mm. It's every cigar they use it on is terrible. <laughs> so I just you know you want to give every cigar a fair shot, but I'm just saying every cigar that's the old Osa rapper that was on CAO years ago, and they've used it for a lot of things. And every time it's been used, it's been a consistently disappointing cigar. So I'm not upset about the 70. I'm more upset that, like, I I just wouldn't use that wrapper. Maybe some, maybe it's just me. I just that that Alonso San Augustine wrapper is terrible. Yeah, yeah it doesn't I mean, look it tastes good. Time will tell. I mean, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see when it comes out. Greg Williams is with us. Yeah. Shout out to Greg Williams. I just wanted to take a moment to say, uh, if you don't know Greg, uh, uh sh- Rhode Island, right? Yep, his store in Rhode Island you were at. That's right. Vintage uh Vintage Cigar and Lounge down in Westerly, Rhode Island. Shout out to them. Great yep, place. Good guy. Good guy, yeah. Good people. Great lounge. If you're ever in the area, you have to go in there. Not you should, you have to go in there and check them out. Say hello. Uh tell them tell them you heard about them on the Smoking Tobacco show. Um and yeah. and buy some cigars from them. Great people. You know, when I get up to New England, we should do the Rhode Island swing this time uh, when we go down again. Yeah, uh, I think Rhode that. Island is one of the. Be- I think Rhode Island is one of the best cigar states out there. Um, a lot of good shops there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Really, you could do a d- nice little uh, week. You just did one, obviously, but you could do a nice and there's just some top-notch retailers there. And I'm, and, and I, I haven't been there, Greg. Uh, doesn't mean I don't think of you guys. So uh, because I've heard great things about you. And yeah, maybe I have to get there. So maybe that's a, a swing. It's 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 kind of close to um, Foxwoods and Mohegan too. So if you're ever down in like that area near the casino, Wesley's like the first town over from Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, it's not too far. So if you're in that area too, like you can pop over there pretty quickly, which is nice. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I know when I went to Mystic, uh, when I stayed in Mystic, uh, um, I was with my family though. But I remember Westerly was really close to Mystic. Yeah, we went down there for a long weekend. We uh, we stopped by the lounge, we had a cigar, hung out. And yep. uh, then we, you know, went over to Bohegan and Foxwoods for the rest of the weekend. But yep. it was it was nice. It was a great way to kick good off. Good for you guys. Weekend. Good for you guys. Get a little, uh, you know, you know, you get to that point where you're not gonna be able to. It's gonna be harder to do that. Um. So. Yeah. Um. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. You, glad you guys have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It was. It was a great weekend. So. Uh, JJ says, "Coop, you ever get to PA?" Not as much as I used to, and. Uh, but uh, I used to, because I used to go up to New York a lot more than I do now uh, for work and my family. But at some point, I got to get in. I want to get back to PA. Great cigar state as well. Uh, both Eastern and Western and Central. I mean, Pennsylvania, again, great cigar state. I've been to some great places in, in, the, in the Eastern Philly, the uh, Northeast part of Pennsylvania, Central, and Pittsburgh. I mean, it's a great state. Bigger state to cover. You need to do about a week with Pittsburgh. I mean, not Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But yeah. Yeah, that's a big state. Yeah, Rhode Pen- Island, you could cut, you could hit a lot of those lounges on a weekend and hit most of the ones in the state. So it's, it's everything's pretty small, but yeah. I would say Rhode Island's a great one. Pennsylvania's a great one, even though I haven't really explored them yeah. both fully. Yep. Um, New Hampshire's great. There's not as many yeah. shops, but the shops that are there are fantastic. New Hampshire's great. Georgia, Atlanta area is really good. There's a lot to pick lot of, from. Yep. Florida, yeah. obviously. Yeah. I put um, Phoenix and Dallas in there, too. Yeah. Yeah, Phoenix yeah. is uh, not, uh, Phoenix is actually more Scottsdale. Um, if folks get out west, uh, you're going to do a weekend in Scottsdale. There's a lot of great shops out there too. Yeah, I want to I want to 
explore those areas more myself. Uh, I've never yeah. been to Texas too, so any if if I ever get the opportunity to go to Texas, which I'm, I'm sure yeah. it will come up. Um, I, I am going to Texas for the McAuliffe event this year, by the way, which is probably oh, nice. tough for you to go to. Yeah, so I am going to go this year. Uh, plus, I want to see Bear and Jay out there, so uh, you know, I'm going to make a few days out of that. Yep. Yeah, that'll be good. Um, yeah. Any chance for you to get the team together, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know, know if the whole team's going yet, but we're, at least I know I'm going to go because uh, I want to see those guys. Yeah. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was er, – so earlier this week, um, El Septimo sent out a press release. Yep. That they were uh, hiring Michael Wasp from Rocky Patel. Now, mm -hmm. this is not the – this is, like, I think the f fourth, maybe fifth staffing PR that we've gotten from them. All right. And, you know, I had someone reach out to me this week and ask me why I I wrote this story. Um, and a lot of it had to do with, you know, oh, well, and this is not my words, it's someone else's words. You know, well, you know, El Septimo is pissing off a lot of people. I can't believe you wrote that story. And I just wanted to remind everybody, and Coop, I, I know you'll echo this too. A lot of these stories that come from the manufacturers, you know, it's their story to tell. You know, we just report on it. So, I mean, right. new, news is news. I mean, unless it's a ridiculous news or it's something like, you know, a very specific one-shop exclusive that's, you know, not getting, like, a distribution. Um, you know, stuff like that. Like, at the end of the day, it is it is news. We report on it. It does bring in traffic. You know, people read it and they see it. Um, and, that's why we, and that's why we write it. Um I know that there's been a lot of talk about that specific company. They've they've definitely made a lot of moves. They've made a lot of moves quickly. Um, they seem to really be aggressively building up a pretty big sales team, though, with some of these people that they've they've poached from other brands and big brands so, too. Allegedly, allegedly, we don't want to say they did or did. Right, I yeah. poor choice of words, but you know what I'm saying. Like they're 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 hiring people with experience, right? You know. I'm not saying poaching, but they are hiring right. people who have experience, who've worked for big companies. I mean, it, if you just look at all the stories, I mean, you see where all the people came from. I think there's two from Rocky Patel. I think there's one from General. I think a JC. I think JC Newman had one. I mean, so a lot of big brands. People have been around for a little while. Um, I feel like every other week we're getting a story about a new lounge opening. Which, if you remember last year, they said they were going to open 30 lounges in the U.S. Um, yeah, they're they're aggressively. They are really aggressively, you know, trying to build on everything that they've talked about. And we've talked about this before. Like, hey, are they going to do this? How long are they actually going to be around? Uh, I think it's still early. But, I mean, I, w at this point in the game with, you know, now let's kind of revisit this briefly, right? Um, what are you seeing from El Septimo's rapid growth? Do you Do you think that it's going in a good direction or are you still kind of like I don't know how, how this is going to shake out. Okay, so uh, I'm going to I'm glad you brought this topic up. So for, let me say a few things. First of all, typically I don't publish a rep getting hired. Okay? I'm not saying I haven't done it before, but that's a typical model of I'm not going to every time you get an employee, I'm not going to post that, right? There's a couple of things I want to address though with this grossing. First up is last year when I came out of the trade show, I I saw a lot of El Septimo, uh, and look, El Septimo, lots of cigar industry should point, look at what they're doing as far as communicating with the media. They do a good job with it, right? But yeah. here's the big thing that came out of there. I kept saying, okay, you've got this company, right? You're saying you're doing all this stuff. Where is your sales team, right? 
you you can't be moving this product and this is not to disrespect brokers but you can't use a broker model to do what you're trying to do well what have they done in the last year they're building an in-house sales team right and guess what i'm finding out about it because they're sending press releases right so maybe it's not like matt that's your choice whether you want to publish it or not but guess what i'm being informed that they're building a sales team right so my questions are getting answered here right now okay that question's getting answered maybe i don't publish that but in my mind i say well, L. Septon was built, and they're bringing experienced people in, right? Um, so, good job by L. Septon in that case, okay? Now, as far as their rapid growth, until I see sales numbers published that I can validate, I don't give a shit about what they're saying about growth, okay? Sales numbers are the only thing that's going to tell me. What was your profit? What was your, How much did you sell? How much did you increase, right? Right. And even that, we're going to have to – until that happens – don't tell me you're the fastest growing company out there because I, I don't want to hear it. Okay. You're not, it's all bullshit. Until you show me sales numbers um, out there, this is like, it's ridiculous. Okay. That part's ridiculous. I'm not saying they, they won't do that at some point, but I'm just saying it's a joke. I mean, I, I have no way of validating that. I'm not going to put something in there saying this is the fastest growing, else after all, the fastest growing company just hired this guy from Rocky. I'm not going to do that because right? that's not, that's not what this is about. But I do think, they are look this is where the cigar industry falls flat on their face they don't understand how to leverage the media this guy is manipulating the media in and look give him credit for doing that okay again it's our choices if we choose what to publish or not and here's the other thing if it, i don't know who made this comment but if it was someone in the cigar industry shame on them if they're not doing the same thing is what i'm just going to say shame on them because you have the same opportunity to do what they're doing and guess what? There's nothing wrong with saying, telling and informing the media you're growing your sales force, right? And making changes like that. So that's my that's my two cents on that. No, I mean, I agree. I mean, it's, you know, whether you love, I mean, look, I, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not defending them as a company. I mean, I'm, I'm technically, you know, I'm, not, I'm neutral I'm not here. here. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know people say, people who work for manufacturers or people who own manufacturers, um, you know, have, have had some comments and, and, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that one side's right or wrong. I, I have heard a, a lot of comments being made against them. Um, I, they definitely, I have are, to. they are definitely taking a much different approach and I can see how it's m much more aggressive and I can totally right. understand, I can understand, you know, where people are coming from and I'm not saying they're wrong, but outside of that, you know, they are communicating with the media. They send us a story. We're going to write it. And, you know, people read it. And You have a right, you have a right to publish what you want to publish. That's mm -hmm. your call what you want to do that. That's, that's, there's nothing more on that. I know, you know, there's things that I publish sometimes that you don't publish and vice versa. That's just how it works. Yeah. Um, and, and that's it. I mean, it's just, but when you're communicating with the media, you, you when you're a cigar company, you need to be leveraging you need to engage on three channels, consumer, retail, and media, right? If you're not doing all three of those, you're, 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 you're immediately excluding a channel. And then, so last year when I come out of the trade show saying, well, where's El Septimo's Salesforce, right? Well, I'm getting that answer, right? Now, my other question with them is, where is, tell me about the production, tell me about the people you have behind your production. They still got to answer that piece as well. That's so true. there's other questions about that, right? So, but they're addressing questions here, so... You know what else I find uh, very interesting, and I think I yeah. brought this. I don't think I brought. It, I think I brought it up on the regular show. Uh huh. Can't remember. 
What I find interesting, though. So, I think on the last show we talked about this. or I'm, I, I always see it again with the two different shows. I forget what I said on what show. So, if I repeat myself, forgive me. You're getting older now. That's what's happened. So. Uh, I'm, I'm slowly yeah. getting there. Uh, you're, um, get, you're, get, you're getting there. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I made a comment about... I. You know, well, first of all, there's always rumors swirling around. Uh, one of the rumors recently that we heard a lot about was STG buying Davidoff. Now, this is not a new rumor. It's one that's particularly relevant again for the time being. Um, so it's obviously been part of discussion. But well, one of the things, and I, and you and I have had this conversation, you know, just right. off the air. Not not right. we're hiding it, but just you yeah. know, we've just had this discussion where. Uh, and I know we're kind of on two different spots from it. And I just and I just look at it, I just look at it from things I see and hear from folks in the know in the industry, not just right. someone who comes up and says like, "I think this is happening." How do you know that? Well, I can't say. All right. Well, I don't. That does nothing for me. But I take the pieces that I can validate and I put them together and I go, "I'm not saying it's definitely happening. I'm just saying I could see it happening." Now, I've said this before. I think. I'm calling it the STG buys Davidoff. If Davidoff decides to sell, I think that's the company that does buy them. I'm not saying it happens this year, but I think at some point in the future, Davidoff does look to sell. I think STG buys them. That's all I, that for the record, that's all I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. What I have noticed about Davidoff though, kind of on a separate issue. I know let's see. Probably maybe five or six retailers who at one time were very heavy or officially a Davidoff lounge who have now gone from that to being El Septimo lounges or have opened additional locations and made that an El Septimo lounge. Do you, do you, I don't know if you know that or if you follow along with that, but uh, have you seen that trend coop where you're seeing so far, a, a good handful of shops converting from Davidoff to El Septimo lounges, too? I've only seen maybe one or two that have done it, right? Um, but I remember we had this conversation late last year, and I was like, I think Nicole was in on that conversation. I said, this is crazy. This is not happening. But obviously, it has happened a little, right? It has. So I don't think it's moving the needle on anything, right? That's what I'm going to say. Other than um, there are, you know, there, I mean, I think there's some things going on with certain retailers, maybe where that relationship is changing with Davidoff. Um, and then you just want to, but it's something worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, like I'll say that. I, like, cause I, 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 I know that I know there's a, like I said, there's a, there's a good handful. Um, I believe Vartan is becoming an El Septimo Lounge. I know. Right. Uh, I think Jeff at Corona is opening a new location. And that's going to be an El Septimo The Sarasota lounge. one, I believe, is El Septimo. You there's said that on your show. There's another lounge in northern Florida, from what I understand, was pretty much – no, it wasn't an official Davidoff of Geneva, but it was they, – they pretty much only carried Davidoff. They are becoming an El Septimo lounge. Uh, they're opening a new store, and they're going to be having an El Septimo lounge. Um, I think there's one more. I feel like there's one more that I know of. I can't remember which one. But I, I could have sworn there was a fourth one to that um, that I know for sure. And then I heard rumors about a couple others, but that have not been confirmed yet. And I'm like, is this because Davidoff's trying to pull away from doing lounges and stuff at stores? Are they changing their business model? Is uh, And it's funny how the ones that, that I've seen 
change their lounge to El Septimo for the most part have been Davidoff's and now they're El Septimo's. I just find it very interesting. Um, and it is early and you're right. Keep an eye on it. It, is, it, it can't really get too into it yet, yeah. but it's so far you see the, the bricks being laid. I'm curious how, how many more end up going down that road. Yeah, but here's how I look at that. Um, I think this is these are still the only one that was kind of the one that was a little different was Davidoff uh, got out of the uh, Tampa Lounge with Jeff, right? And Jeff bought that they they co-owned that with Jeff. Uh, they bought it back, but Jeff kept it. Brand, Jeff still has it. It's still a Davidoff Lounge, but now it's an appointed merchant lounge as opposed to a flagship store. Well, he changed the name on it to Corona Cigar, right? But it's they yeah. have it. Yeah, the difference is it's a Davidoff. Uh, it's a Davidoff appointed merchant thing. Right. He hasn't thrown Davidoff out. He's still selling the same amount of Davidoff. But it, that when it's a flagship store branded as Davidoff, such, um, that's a different story. These other ones, I think, are are not. They're not flagship stores. The the one Vartans was not a flagship store. Right. He had just a brand. So that's just all right. Who's going to sponsor your lounge and, and make a sense? I don't think. I think it's something worth watching to see if more retailers flip to it. Um, El Septimo is not even on the same page as Davidoff yet. They're not. They they're not even in the same sentence as Davidoff yet. But uh, the fact you're seeing two key retailers do this, you have to say, you have to now say, take a step back and keep an eye on it. I, and I, by the way, I don't believe Davidoff is selling to STG anytime soon. I think uh, no, I don't think it's happening. So I mean, you know, you know, I think very different. And I've kind of, I've kind of, from what I've validated, uh, this is. You know my feeling that one guy said it, and, and and people listen to this clown, right? So, but you said you've talked to some other people that, and I know you and I talked that are much more respected than the clown who put it out there. So, I've also um, I've also been saying it some long guy, before it, 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 that happened. Yeah. I was saying this last year. You, yeah, and I, even I said it last year to you. But I think yep. it, there's not. What I'm saying is there is not a negotiation going on right now. However, is Davidoff maybe looking to sell the company? That's a fair comment. You know, I, I think every company looks at that, you know? I think everybody yeah. has their what? price, whether they're actually actively trying to sell it or not. I think everyone at any point in time yeah. is like, we're not looking to sell, but if someone said, look, I'll give you this, look, everyone, yeah, fuck it, I'll take it. It's a lot. Look, everyone should, everyone should look at that. Like, everything's for sale. Uh, why wouldn't you take a look at it, right? Um, it's business. So It's business, right? This is not like, I don't think this is dab enough we want to get the hell out of this business. Um I told you I think there's some other scenarios that maybe are non-Davidoff scenarios that might happen. Uh, not non-SCG scenarios. Um, I do believe that if you looked at an acquisition for uh, Davidoff, I think you're looking at something uh, close to $750 million or above. I think it's a massive – because, again, Davidoff's international presence. This is where El Septimo can't touch them in the international market, Asia, Europe, Switzerland. You know, Davidoff's got a, a, a stranglehold. El Septimo is not even on the map in these places, and they move a lot of cigars. And what you're seeing happen in Europe now is they're making a big play in Europe because of the Cubans not being a, it's getting more expensive to get Cubans. So a lot of companies are getting in there. So like I said, I don't think it's anything imminent. Um, but El Septimo has so much more work to do. But when you see Vartan and Jeff making a flip like this, these are these are not like trivial retailers. These are these are playmaker retailers in the world. That's when you have to say, well, well these guys are doing this. Um, is more to follow, right? So I think now it's a diff. I remember when we had this story with Nicole, and I, I admit I poo pooed it a bit, right? Now I'm taking a little step back, and I'm saying something worth watching. 
they're they're, they're doing something, obviously. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. But yeah, we'll see where it goes. See where it goes. Yeah. And now that they have in-house sales reps, I'm sure this is. I'm sure this is much different than working with brokers now. You got to remember. Mm-hmm. They, they, and I'm, I'm sure these guys are going to be compensated. I'm sure these guys are getting compensated well, but they're going to have high expectations to drive business and build, do business development. So um, if you're bringing in big, experienced people, which they are, right, you better – these guys are going to have to produce. Uh, and they're going to have to produce at high levels. Now, what I'm telling you. Yeah. let me ask you this question. Let's say, uh-huh. let's say Davidoff would be looking to sell. Uh-huh. Why would Davidoff want to sell? I, there's, you know, there's a lot of driving reasons for it. It's still a family-owned business, right? So, you know, my point is: does the family want to be in the business anymore, or does the family feel that they can't? Can, they can't. Like this is what happened when Camacho sold. Is Christian felt he had gotten that to a point where he couldn't grow that business anymore, right? And that's why he sold when he did. You know. So there's, there's points you look at that, and you look at what the market is hot right now. And if you can get a price like uh, Alec Bradley got, you certainly go and do it. Um, so I think, you know, I think it's all business driving reasons to do it Yeah. more than anything. Um, you, know, the, the, you know, it's up to if the family uh, wants to stay in that business or not. That, that's really what it's going to come down to. Um, Alan actually brought up something. I want to get your opinion on it. He said, I don't believe the rumor that STG of buying Davidoff. Nearly the entire deal would be financed with debt. Davidoff might be too big for them to buy. I wouldn't be surprised if a private equity group out of Dubai or Hong Kong purchased Davidoff. Maybe Japan Tobacco, JTI. Um, I, I agree with everything with the JTI. Not, I think this idea of not like, big cigarette companies, they don't want to take on this. But you I think agree it's with like an outside equity. equity firm. I think it's an outside equity firm. Yeah, I believe they don't want. They don't. They've proven like their accountants will probably tell them don't do this because premium cigar is just. This is we've seen this happen with British tobacco. British American Tobacco did it and they got out. Uh, Altria got out, um, and I don't see JTI doing it. I do see private equity group. Maybe a private equity group out of Europe does it. Um, that's you know that's what I'm saying. But maybe when I, I think it, I think. If it's anything, it's going to be a private equity group. And I agree with Alan on the first part of that statement. That's why um, – and then, yeah, I don't see STG doing that. Um, that's a colo- – I mean, that makes the Alec Bradley thing look minor <laughs> compared to what we're talking about here. Oh, yeah, for to sure. Do, to, do, to do that. Yeah, that's why I don't see that happening. Um, Just think Alec you know, Bradley paper. got $72 million for that company. It's like then you look at, yeah. you look at Davidoff, you're like, all right, well, what are they worth? And yeah. you, you, you. So you're saying, if you were to estimate it, you would put da- a price tag on Davidoff as a whole, seven hundred and fifty million. I'm not an expert, right? Okay. I know. Uh, I, I, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this is they're ten times the size of Alec Bradley. Is kind of what I'm thinking. I mean, they got global operations, and it's, factories, farms, farms, tobacco farm. inventory, staff. They got retail stores. They have. Inventory on hand. I'm sure they got a lot more inventory on hand than Alec Bradley does. Yeah, uh, th- there, there's a lot of assets there. You know, when you compare yeah. the two, th- there's a yeah. lot of money there. Um, so you know, when they, when yeah, when look, at, I forget. You know, when you look at what Altidus sold out to them, Davidoff still, you know, again, Davidoff has much more of an international uh, footprint. So they have you know, there's markets that they're in. Well, that, outside you know, of Habanos, 
out, like you said, outside of outside of Cuban cigars, you know, outside the U.S., when you look at the global market, outside of Habanos, who's who's the number one brand? Right. I mean, uh, outside the U.S. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. For people like other than you know when when you if you take the whole global cigar market and you were to take Cuban out, who, like who's the next guy? Davidoff. I think that they've had a global presence, but I think you're right. Now that the Cuban market has significantly changed, I think that they're trying to jump on that opportunity as well as even some other U.S. you know uh, in terms of United States you know bigger companies. Uh, Fuente, look at Fuente. Fuente's going after the global market. You got Jose, um, you know, Carlitos going over there and doing stuff you know, in Dubai and other countries. Um, you know, they're, I think they're definitely trying to expand, obviously, and take advantage of that. And, and there's, I know there's other brands who are doing so, but those are the first two that come to mind, obviously, is, you know, when the Cuban cigar prices, you know, almost quadrupled in price, you know, and you're probably going to see a lot less people buying them. Who's the next guy they go to when they want, you know, something of that caliber? You know, Davidoff, I could see Fuente um, really expanding globally. It's going to – things are changing. Time, The times yeah. there are changing, and it'll be interesting to but see you where know, it goes. But Davidoff's name is synonymous in the luxury market still. Mm-hmm. Fuente, Fuente – I think Fuente's probably there as well. But Davidoff, I'd say, is – as far as a luxury brand, it, it's so more identifiable still in a lot of ways. I think oh, I think, but Fuente, I think is is right at there too. But Davidoff is certainly there. Yes. Um, where and again, nothing against uh, Alec Bradley. They're not. That's not that type of company. That's why. And I think, like I said, Davidoff. Like I said, they're they're the moves they're making about like their price increases are solidifying their position as a luxury brand. And it's it's some smart moves they're doing. Um, I think they still have to work a lot more on Abro and Camacho because I think if they get that piece going, um, then then they'll be. I think that will really help. I, they have to get Abro and Camacho going a little more. Um, but I and think, I think they are. Of, and I think they're working on it. I, I think they are too. I, I I do believe they are. Sometimes they move a lot slower. I mean, I remember when when Davidoff acquired Camacho in 2008, and there was about a two or three year period where Camacho was literally dormant, right? Like and I and I remember I, I I ran into Dylan who was running the Camacho marketing. We were at uh, Cuenca Cigars in Hollywood, yeah. And this was in early 2013. And I was talking to Dylan and I'm like, Dylan, what the fuck's going on with Camacho, man? And he's like, Just wait. Was his words to me, right? And about three months later, they announced the overhaul, the rebrand, which was a very successful rebrand that they did. Because uh, Camacho just went on fire for a while. It slowed down a lot. So I think whatever they're thinking with these brands going forward, it sometimes takes a while to build what they're looking to do, or in this case, rebuild what they're looking to do. But I have a lot of confidence. But I see what Davidoff's doing with, you know, how they're positioning late hour by Winston Churchill and things like that. They're, they're clearly really focusing on these lines and making them ultra-premium lines right now um, where they can compete with Habanos but still be a more – probably still at a, a, better, a better, more competitive rate. But it's going to take a lot of work to do it. Yeah. Once they do that, their company's going to be worth more money. Well, so. Let me ask. So let me ask you this question. So let's say Davidoff doesn't sell, right? Let's say that. that let's say that that's not an option. Um, right. For, for for sure that we that you know we don't know and we don't know if they're selling right. Right. But let's say we don't know we don't know if they are not. But let's say they're not right. right? 
And it goes the other way. Do you see Davidoff trying to acquire maybe one or two more, if not more, smaller brands to add to the portfolio to build up like Avo and Camacho? Or do you think that they stay with what they got and they put everything into, you know, White Label and Avo Camacho and they just try to build it all together and not get it too complicated? I don't think they do, right? Now, the only exception I may say to that is maybe they acquire – Maybe they just decide they acquire a factory in Nicaragua or or some operate a brand out of Nicaragua. Okay. But um, but I don't I, I think that's what long shots. I don't see it happening. I think they're they're going to war with. They have three big brands, um, that they should be able to move these brands. Um, and I don't see, you know, they, I don't see that happen. I don't see them adding another one. You know, when they went after Camacho, a lot of the goal was they wanted to take Camacho into a global brand. And they started mm-hmm. to do that um, and it, over the years. So, it, you know, it, that, again, didn't happen overnight. But Camacho now is, is more prevalent in Europe and some places. So I don't see it happen. I don't see an acquisition in the card. But you never know. Again, something could be presented to them, which, again, makes a lot of sense for them to take it. So, and that's like, the case and the, only, and the only reason why I say that is because uh, – and, and, you know, Jay kind of touched on So I would say on a global scale – their primary competitor is Habanos SA, right? And Habanos has, what, how many brands in the portfolio? hundred, yeah. I mean, they have a lot. So it's like, do they do they feel like they need more brands under their own belt to compete with all the different brands that Habanos has? Or do you think they don't necessarily need that? They just need a good handful of them and they can... I, I don't know if they view it the same way as, as STG did. Okay. Like, STG, I think, wanted to have this... And again, because I think STG is more driven from the catalog world, so that's why I think STG viewed the Alec Bradley thing a little differently, uh, and it made a lot of sense because they were already having a lot of their cigars made through Alec Bradley. Um, so I don't see them needing more more brands uh, to compete in that market. Um, they can they can certainly strengthen the three. The, they have a lot more than three brands. There's other brands they have too, and they can always try to resurrect one of them, like. You know, Griffin's, which is I think Griffin's is more of a boutique brand they have, but they have oh, yeah, other. I forgot about that. Know, they have Cusano, which they don't really do much with Cusano. Uh, they there's a market for that, but that's not you know. And they have Baccarat too. Everyone forgets Baccarat's in their portfolio, right? So I I don't see it. If anything, I see them going to where their strength is, which is the Davidoff line, right? And you know, do you, do you you work to really kind of strengthen white label? Uh, you know, maybe expand black label, you know, come out with it, you know, maybe, you know, so I think, I think you work on that Davidoff line. I think that Davidoff name, that's, so, it's so powerful, right? That's one of the most powerful brand names out there. Um, you, you, you can do it. The problem is like what STG has, right? So their powerful brands are like in the U.S., like they have Cohiba, right? You, they can't sell Cohiba like internationally, right? So. No. So they're they're kind of limited with that, right? So you know you see them. That's why CAO underwent a huge expansion, right? Um, so yeah, it's a little different. What I'm saying, Davidoff has an or he has that that international brand out there. So why try to compete with that Davidoff line if you have something already very strong? Mitchell said here in Canada, the top three recognized brands within the cigar smokers are Habanos, Davidoff, and Fuente. I think Fuente, yeah, I think Fuente don't under. I mean, they they've made moves over the last few years to strengthen their. They have a good international uh, distribution network already, but that's why Jose went over. That's why Jose went over there for a while. Um, and I think he's if you see what Jose's doing, you know, Jose's spending time in a lot of shops in Europe, and 
they're going for market share out there. And I think he's doing a great job with that. Um, you know, they're spending a lot of time in Europe right now. Do you think that's another reason why Fuente decided to build a factory in Nicaragua? So they can increase their production scale while also kind of, you know, having that Nicaraguan aspect. Obviously, they have the Dominican roots uh, that they're already established with. But do you think that part of that Nicaraguan, not, I mean, obviously, they're probably going to bring some different kinds of products to the market with the Nicaraguan factory. But do you think it also helps just have even more production to meet up with a, an increased global demand? Uh, yeah, I mean, they could have done it in the DR, right? But I think there was something where Carlito wanted to get back into Nicaragua. I think that was something that was really on his, uh, what he wanted to do. So, uh, and it certainly gives them, they have farms now in Nicaragua as well. So yep. I think it gives them a, you know, a big presence there to do that. Um, so, but I think part of it, I think that's it. And I think Carlito really wanted to get back into Nicaragua. I think that was something that was always on his Well, mind. no, I know he did. I know he did. Yeah. And I, you're 100% right about that. I just yep. didn't know if another facet as well, when we go back to Nicaragua, hey, yeah. we can maybe double production, you know, and uh, I mean, everyone yeah, knows I mean, Fuente. Fuente already has, I mean, you know, it, kind of a backlog. Me if, I mean, yeah, but if you're asking me if Carlito's going to be producing more Opus Xs, no, no. I don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah. Not necessarily just Opus. And, and it's not, you know, when it comes to Fuente, yeah. I mean, all of the stuff they make, it's not just the Opus. It, it, yeah, but, it, but again, they have a very strong brand name, Fuente. Arturo Fuente is a very strong brand name. Mm -hmm. It gives them more capability to expand that brand name. Uh, where they don't need to buy someone out to do it. Yeah, so that's true. I think there's certainly yeah. Again, they're 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 working on the strength of a international brand name that's very, very synonymous with you know, in the market, so Yeah, the global market is it's yeah. not something we talk a lot about. I mean, obviously we focus a lot on the US, but you know, I've been slowly more and more paying attention to the entire global market, not just the U.S. And yeah, you're right. There's there's a lot of changes being made, and there's, there's a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, this this Habano, this Habano, these Habano's price moves, you know, they're they're responding to the demand they have, right? And now, other companies are seeing opportunity. Uh, Inner Tobacco will be very interesting this year and next year. Uh, my plan is to go to Inner Tobacco next year. By the way, I think I told you that I'm not gonna yep. go this year, but that's my plan to go next year because um, I want to see what's going on there. I'm not saying Inner Tobacco will be a regular stop for me, uh, but I think with PCA moving to the spring, it makes more sense now to do an Inner Tobacco next year. We so, get more time in between. More time in between, and now, yeah. Uh, but the, but we should always remember, for most of the companies that we talk about day in and day out, the most important market is right here. It's still the most important market. But you know, I look at I look at Coop and smoking tobacco. I mean, I've I've had a big jump in international traffic. Oh yeah, me too. Um, over the yeah, so I, I am looking at that very closely, and and look, I look, I judge, I only can judge things based on who reads the site, um, and usually that's a good, in, that's a good barometer for how the companies are doing. There's always some anomalies. Um, Mitchell said I would cool. say close to thirty percent of the Cuban-only smoking friends are now dabbling in non-Cubans due to price and availability. But yeah, but that's that's why you have a like, and I think that let's say that's the case in Europe. That's why Jose went over there. That's why Jose right. got a job over there. He's become that ambassador role is something that is not a. It's a very serious role, is what they're looking at with that. He he is absolutely looking to do that because again, the Mirafels he works with the Mirafels in Europe as far as distribution goes. They handle Correct. a lot of distribution. 
But again, now Jose, a Fuente, a member of Fuente, is there on the ground. And he's going and visiting these shops. And that's why this is key. And now he's coming to the U.S. I think the strength, you know, obviously they want to strengthen some things in the U.S. And I think that's why his role expanded. Yeah. Brilliant moves Fuente's been doing. These are smart moves they've been doing. Yeah, you know, as a company, yeah. um, they have been doing a lot. And yeah. they've they've gone in so many different avenues, you know, with what they've been doing, too. Um a lot of the, and I mean, look at some of the partnerships they have now. I know like that doesn't always necessarily translate to like, well, that just means they're gonna sell more cigars. But they're 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 associating their name. You talk about the luxury. Right? Fuente has partnerships with Hublot, which is a very high end luxury watch manufacturer. Stefano yep, Ricci. Carlito. He was that. Yep. Very high end luxurious clothing brand. Yep. Um, yep. You know, the, the the partnership with Asseline with Aaron Sigmund's books. I mean, those those books aren't cheap. Mm. Just so you know, those that big book that you see, the Opus X book, that's a $1,200 book, just so you know. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yep. That's a luxury publisher. So they're associating themselves with all of these, like, other luxury companies. And I right. think that they're they're on that same path of, like, like kind of yeah. like Dava. It established itself as a, a, like a luxury brand, not just a lux- like a premium cigar company, a luxury brand. Which most of the people, including us, this is not something we we participate in on a day in and day out basis, is what I'm saying. But there is a market, a huge market with a lot of money in that market. Uh, why Rolex can do what Rolex does, right? I'm just mm-hmm. saying there's there's a market for this stuff, right? Davidoff uh, <laughs> coming out with a now it's a six hundred dollars cigar is not for us. Maybe we'll we'll talk about it on our site or review it even, but but and I have reviewed it, but that's not what this is being designed to do. There's a market with a lot of disposable income out there that 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 they're trying to target right now. I think the next ten years is going to be so fascinating to watch. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Provided that you know, like legal stuff isn't like a major major challenge. Yeah, you know, if you yep. take all that out of the side, things are kind of like you know, really stay the same yep. for the most part. I think the next ten years are going to be very, very yep. interesting. Yeah, you know, you know, what's kind of interesting is you know another guy who's got some good inter- I think he's building his international presence, and no one's talking about is Perdomo. That's uh, true. Perdomo's really done a good job with that. Um, I I know, and I'm not just talking Europe. I mean, when I was down at the Perdomo factory, they just opened up some distribution in Africa and stuff like that. We had we had some folks from Mozambique. Oh no, Madagascar! It was no Madagascar. It was on my trip. So the Czechoslovakians were on our trip. So really, uh, Perdomo just opened up England. I mean, so mm-hmm. Perdomo don't underestimate what they're doing. Internet, they're they certainly like, a little bit of a different play for them. Um, but but certainly they're seeing a lot of opportunity with that. I mean, that's a big thing. When I talk to Nick next time, I want to kind of get a little more handle on. On some of the operations they have internationally, uh, for sure. But I know Perdomo is, is this is not new to them. They've been in I, I know they've been in Australia for years. They distributed into in tough market, but they still have a distribution out there. So, yeah. One of, um, one you know one of the brands that I'm surprised. I mean, well, maybe I or maybe I just don't know. Uh, what about Padrone? From what I understand, Padrone doesn't have. A stronger presence in Europe. Are you surprised uh, by some, that, though? 
No, it's tough. It's tough. Um, I'm not totally surprised just based on their production capabilities and all that, too. I don't know if they have enough to supply Europe. Yeah, Maybe that's the true. Like, in Europe, the other player in Europe is Maya Silva. They're a huge player in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're huge. But I know Padron goes to Inter Tobacco every year, and I think it is something they're looking at certainly growing their distribution on. But yeah, Padron, I wouldn't say. I think Padron's a little further behind on that. Because I just, I feel like Padron's that is another one of those brands that I think could do well. Yeah, I do too, and uh, I do too. Um, I, I know less about their distribution internationally, but I do know it's that I would say they're behind the companies we talked about, including Perdomo. Mitchell said Padron can never supply enough. They dropped Canada because of that. That's the part of the problem. Yeah. That's part of, exactly part of the problem they got. Like, and I know that um, when we were down in um, Nicaragua, Padron is doing some expanded operations. They, they they're going to be doing some. They're going to be expanding their factory capabilities. They they never thought they'd even reach capacity, is what George said. Mm-hmm. And now they they you know now so they there's going to be changes happening down there. Uh, they they have the factory down there is not. I mean, they have several factories, but it's not as big as you would think. Yeah, that's what you know. It's no, it's no general cigar or even uh, tobacco or a fuente. So, and they box and so, ban their cigars in the U.S. right, and they press them here. Yeah, yeah, I believe you're right. Their on cigars that. are pretty much only just rolled in Nicaragua, and then the, the yeah. production gets finished here in Miami. I believe, I believe so. Uh, some there may be some stuff that's finished down. I think some of the Damasos may be finished down there, but uh, although I think they do finish the Damasos down there. Because again, it's that wrapper and stuff. It's a little more tricky. Yeah. Um, Mitchell brings up another good name. Placencia has a decent exposure here now, slowly growing. Placencia is another brand. Um, well, they got a long way to go. They're also very. They're they do. Their international. Uh, but they're on. They're more of a manufacturing company, an agricultural company. Their brand is still relatively small, but but certainly. I think you know they they just opened up really their distribution only six years ago. They got a long way to go, but they've made some headway. Uh, certainly in the U.S., they've made some headway. Oh yeah, that, for that's sure. A, that's a tough. That's a tough thing to set up distribution, and they've they've done it the right way. They've uh, slowly they're slowly organically building that line. Um, but again, they have their bread and butter is the factory and the farms. I mean, they they supply enormous amounts of tobacco. Uh, they make an enormous amount of cigars from other people, but I think for their brand, they've focused their brand as a luxury brand. Mm-hmm. As we know, it's you know, again, that's why they're coming out with forty, fifty, sixty dollars cigars. And they have uh, they're, they're doing Zodiac stuff. They they made a cigar for the World Cup, which I think that World yep. Cup cigar was like sixty or seventy bucks. From what I see, sixty-five. I have a re- I have a review coming out of that pretty soon. So. I saw I saw actually I saw a box of those at um at Vintage in Westerly, Rhode Island. I saw those down there. They're on the shelf. Yep. Yep. They're on the shelf still. Some some sold out quickly and others haven't. So uh you know, but they're they're building their core line slowly. Uh so I think it's worse. They usually come out with a new core line. I think this year it wouldn't be surprised if we see a new core line from them. Usually every other year they'll add one. I know there's more almas coming. There's at least three more almas they have in the queue. Oh really? Like there's an uh, there's like an alma de agua and alma de Alma de Oro Sky. Nah, there's like a water sky. It's like yeah, kind of like what but, Davidoff uh, did with like Escorio and um, Yamasa. Kind of, but more of the like 
they have different elements. Like they did one with the land, then they did one with the uh, fire. You know, now I think they're gonna do one with the water or something like that. So, um, Alma is like love of you know. So, but I, so I see that Alma line. But they they have you know if they went to release all those Almas in two years would be a terrible move by them, right? So they're they're kind of getting bringing these into the market. The Kosek is the other line they have uh, that they slowly build that piece up as well. So um, yeah, I just think they're 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 just taking a more organic approach to what they're doing. Um, but you know, slowly building up the. I think they have a very strategic model what they're doing. Um, you know, come out with like ten different blends at the beginning would be a bad move for them. Yeah, and I think yeah, they've Mitchell's done a great right. job. I, I would watch them. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. They have done yeah. a great job, and uh, everything that they've come out with so far that I've smoked has been great. phenomenal. I, I don't. I, there hasn't been one that I'm like. Mm. They the struggled boat. to put their. They were struggling for many years. Because what, like when they launched the distribution in uh, 2017, it's not the first time they had put Placencia's name on a cigar. They struggled with a lot of them. They partnered with different companies. It didn't work. So now they they formed their own distribution. Um, they did the best. They did the best uh, company rollout I ever saw at a trade show. They did everything the right way. They got media consume like media and retailers involved and then they've engaged consumers in other ways uh they've done a great great that but they launched at the trade show uh no one's to ever topped them for how they did it it was all done and it was all done like a like it had, it had a little bit of that ces consumer electronics feel how they kind yeah. of did it um they were i I'll never forget i went to the booth in 2017 and i got an interview with nestor andres i and and i didn't ex i asked for the interview I got it, and I figured, yeah, he's just going to talk to me. And he knew who I was, which was shocked me. Like, I didn't – and he was very familiar with what I did. Because, uh, you know, when someone makes comments and, about specific things that you say or do, then you know that they – yeah, it, it's something real. And, and I'll say this. Every year we've gone to the Placencia booth, Matt, we've gotten time with them. They've, they, and they've, that's one of the busiest booths out there. So um, the way they've been they've – been, Tremendous to deal with as far as a media company goes. Um, and Nestor Andres is one of the classiest people I've ever met in the cigar business. Uh, just such a nice guy, humble guy. And uh, I, we, Bear and I interviewed him actually once um, for a show. And it was like a, we got him to like the last minute, and he was great with us. So Yeah, he came on with us too last year. No, it was, he came yeah. live from the fact he couldn't stay live. We got him for like 30 minutes, but. That's how he, uh, that's how he, yeah. And, and again, a lot of these guys, they don't. You know, we, we get spoiled by doing hour and two-hour shows with these guys. That's 30 minutes. But we got 30 and It was like the best 30 minutes we ever got is what I'll say. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, I would agree with you on, on all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And by the way, I got to give Bear credit. Bear Bear got made that interview happen. It, it was bear, It was all Bear. Uh, and he came to me and says, can we do this? And I'm like, yeah. Like, you know, it's going to be like, like we had like three days notice, like, or two days notice. I said, we're going to do it. <laughs> so, yeah. Know, uh, I've been there. So we, 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 we rolled up our sleeves and we got it done. And I think we did a nice job. And it's special edition 18. You got to go way back to 2017, but we got him. Uh, and we'll probably do to get him again at some point. But yeah, and you, you got him too. So yeah. Now, um, I wanted to ask you, so just before we go too far, just so that I can kind of keep on track here. Um, uh -huh. What else did you have on your list of, of things that you wanted to, to bring up on the show tonight? Um, let me pull up here because I think we hit a lot of them. Um, I haven't heard of Beef of the Week yet, so. 
I don't know if I have a beef of the week. Um, to be honest with you, mm. um, I was curious. As about far that. as cigar, as far as cigars go, you haven't had anything um, to complain about. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I I did my spill on press releases, um, which was interesting. We talked about Atabay. Um, we, you know, we didn't talk about this one. Okay. There was one I wanted to talk about. Okay. So a very interesting announcement came from CLE about a week ago. The Which sensorium. one? Was... Uh, the oh, yes. Asylum Sensorium. Yeah. I thought this was a very interesting announcement. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been, look, and I think this is why I'm glad that CLE has really been um, investing in public relations more. Shout out to Gabriel Paneris of Creativus. What, what, he's done a great job already out of the gate. Um, and they did something that was really surprising to me. They're coming out with a, not so much that they're coming out with a 50 to $60 cigar line called the Sensorium. And it's because of some of the tobaccos they're using. We, we can talk about that later. But the fact that they decided to put this under Asylum was mind-boggling to me. And I'm not bashing the move. It To me... I just, I, but I did, I, 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 this is why I want to talk to Tom a little more on this and Christian. But, you know, to me, I was like, well, isn't Aroa their super premium brand? So why go with Asylum with that was my question. Um, does that show that maybe Asylum has legs right now where they feel they're more confident that they could do this under Asylum? Um, because again, they, this tobacco they have, they could, and maybe because they wanted to do, uh, I mean, they're doing a 6x60 and an 11 right? So they're not doing, like, an 80 ring gauge here. Um, but, yeah, I just thought it was very interesting just from a uh, from what they're doing marketing-wise that they decided to pursue this under the Asylum line. That is a good point. Yeah. It, it, to me, it, it's, I'm, it's, I want to wait and see how it works out. I'm not bashing it by any means. I just, it, it is a little surprising to me. Um, yeah, and from what I understand, so this is a cigar, and they're using, where is it? i got to find it. They're using, um... They're using a, a, a tobacco, uh, which is called Pina, Pinarino. Pinarino. Cuban seed Pinarino. Yeah. I'm not super familiar with that tobacco, are you? No, I think this is something they've been cultivating. It's kind of a more of a proprietary thing I think they're, they're doing. Uh, they had some of these seeds, uh, from Cuba. Um, and Julio Aro has been growing them. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it, it, so another one of these tobaccos. It's, it's very low yield because it's susceptible to mold. Um, but, you know, if you've gone to the Aroa, the JRE tobacco farm, uh, Julio's farm, you'll understand that they have a lot of things in place to mitigate these blue mold problems. They put a lot of agricultural things in place to do it. Just little things like eucalyptus trees, which kind of help fight the mold and things like that. So, you know, Julio has been working on this. To, you know, and a lot, a lot of tobaccos Julio Aroa is working on on that farm. It's, it's a farm. Every, if you get down to that farm, you absolutely have to get down to that farm. So, you know, it's one that they're actually going to introduce. Obviously, they think it's a very good tobacco, and they want to introduce it into the market. And uh, so I can't tell you. I've never smoked it. The other thing I thought that was really interesting with this is they're going to hand sell this cigar. Tom Wazuka and Christian are going to hand sell this cigar personally. Mm-hmm. Like so they're going to they basically their words were um 
they are gonna they're gonna like basically go there and uh, they're gonna give retailers a chance to smoke it with them, which I think is a very smart move. Uh, it's, it, obviously, this is not gonna be a massive production line they're doing, right? But again, it's something, and and again, they're they're targeting a market. But I I I kept going back, like, why wouldn't you put this under the Aurora name? To me, this one, it this was that's why I scratched my head. But I understand that Asylum's got a lot of legs in the market. So I can kind of see that point, but I, that's the part that kind of puzzles me a bit with that. Yeah, you're right. It is interesting. It is yeah. interesting. Um, it's not criticism. I think they may, you know, I'm telling you, Gabriel's probably going to be working on this with them over the next year or so, you know, as this rolls out. But I know what you're saying. It's like, why do it under asylum? Like, is there something? Is there is is there something going on here that maybe we don't fully realize yet? Um, yeah. Are we gonna, so wait, are we going to see this cigar at the trade show? It's going to be out before the trade show. It's before the trade show. Yeah, but I'm sure it will be showcased at the trade show. You know, once you once I think really like once things, if anything starts hitting the market in June, as far as I'm concerned, I cover it on my big board, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, because again, th- th- a cigar like this is not going to be massively infiltrating the market. I think a lot of people will see this at the trade show for the first time. So. Some companies just choose to release their stuff before the trade show. Oh yeah, here's the pricing. So, the Ascend or the Ascend, did I say Ascend? Ascend 18, 11, 18 with an MSRP of fifty dollars per cigar and a thousand dollars per box, and the Ascend mm-hmm. 60, which is a six by sixty with an MSRP of sixty dollars per cigar, and that is a twelve hundred dollar box. Yep, I mean, definitely. So these are definitely a very high price point. I mean. When you look at the cigars on the market that carry that price point, um, yeah. Now that's a high price. Ha- it is now. Asylum has had a lot of success with their twenty-five dollar lines, the the anniversary cigars. Yeah, they've done very well for them, and maybe they see. All right, we've been able to tap into. By the way, that Asylum Seven is the greatest seventy ring gauge cigar that ever come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've, they've the eleven, I think, comes out this year. So they're kind of continuing to do that. Um, so yeah, and then these box counts, um, they are. Uh, they also did a, a repackaging and twenty a re- count box and a rebranding of the Asylum line, um, which we first saw at TP. I know you weren't there, but we saw them at the booth. Um, a little bit more. I don't. Much more uniform yeah. on the shelf was- when you have it all together. Um, but definitely a little bit more distinguished. Not fancy, that, fancy, but yeah, more distinguished. See, and that's where that's where I think this is having a guy like Gabriel come in, and, and these are things he can focus on. He really is good at like working with companies to. Uh, and folks that don't know, Gabriel runs a PR firm out of Miami. Really has a core competency in the cigar business. He knows how to get these messaging out. He knows how to engage the channels we just talked about, right? These three channels. Um, and unfortunately, like he wasn't there for that announcement. So like, you know, I didn't even see it. Right. Right. You saw it. But but I mean, so I think they could probably even reintroduce reintroduce it again at the trade show this year. And I think it will be a big, di- big difference here. So. Um, so, yeah, I think that what they're doing with some of the asylum stuff, I think it's. Uh, and by the way, this is not a knock on Tom and Christian. Great guys. They've always been supportive of us. So uh, but I think they needed some help here and they got a guy who can really help them. I agree. I agree 100%. Yeah. And yeah. You know, Gabriel is a, is a true professional. Um, so well, I was yeah. very I've happy 13 years. Yeah, I, he's great to deal with. Yeah, uh, I was really happy to hear that they went with him. 
because um, he's he's the perfect guy for them right now, I think. Yeah, and I was frustrated with them. I'm not going to lie because you, we didn't talk about this rebrand. Like, well, come on, what, is there anything that came to, to our, us on this? It's like, but now they got something. But, but when you do something like Sensorium, this is something you really got to get the messaging out. And uh, it, it sounds like not only do they have like a guy who's just getting information out, there's a strategy they have. The one question of the strategy is why Asylum? And I think that's the part I want to ask them at the trade show or if I get to them beforehand on it. Yeah, I, that's definitely going to be a booth to not miss and spend some time out at the trade show, I think. Oh, I think so. I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff that we've been, I know they have planned as well. Um, so, and it's always a busy booth. It's a big booth. Um, last year, I kind of picked on Tom a bit on it because the booth was kind of, they unfortunately, they had stuff that didn't arrive. Um, but it yes. was also not an exciting year for them. And sometimes, you know, when you have a big year coming up, you don't want to bastardize it. So you have a, you know, you kind of go maybe quieter the year before. And, and I've seen like other companies work in that model. And, and then like Illusioni's in every other year company at the trade show. EP Carrillo tends to be the same way yeah. in every other year company. So, um, and that's, that's, that's not a bad business practice to have. Oh, and you know what? I can't believe I forgot about this. Um, talking about, brands that are bringing stuff to the trade show that we're going to want to see. Um, and I think we kind of covered this. Uh, we might have talked about this a little bit already, but I'm going to bring it up just for the sake of, you know, the collection. But uh -huh. Steve Saka is bringing some stuff to PCA. Paying some stuff. And he got, and what did he do? He got the jump on everybody with that. Great job by Steve. He did. Uh, um, so uh, he's got a lot of stuff coming out um, at the trade show. Krakatoa. Uh He's bringing Correct. more Saka Khan and the Papa Saka, new size for me, Karita, for uh, me, Karita Black. He's yep. bringing a holiday 2023 Stillwell Star. Right. He's bringing um, the Wagashi. Is he bringing the Wagashi? I think the Wagashi's ne next year. I thought I heard he was taking orders at this trade show for release next year. Yeah. By the way, we got to talk about Ugashi before we get off the air. But uh, maybe, maybe that's the case. Um, I'm not. I'm I don't not think. He, I don't think I, he said that, but I, I heard that through the. He channels. may bring. I could see him having the box on display there, uh, at a minimum. And then but what? Yeah, else, and mean, then and then what, did I miss one? Uh, you missed a few. So the big one you missed, and I think this is the one that's a uh, a big story is the national release of uh, Red Meat Lovers Club. That's oh, gonna be yes, a big one. Yes. Yes. National yep. release, yes. Yeah, yep. And then Polpetta is going to become a regular release, um, as well. And uh, then he's got a couple. Yeah, name he's change got the... on that one too, right? What is he changing? That I, I thought he said he was changing the name on Polpetta. It's going to be something maybe. else. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I haven't heard that. Okay. Um, maybe, and I missed it. Um, and he's got the unicorns coming out in the right. Creator Black and the Brulee. But I think Red Meat Lovers Club is the big one this year because that's his core. That's gonna be a core line he's introducing. Um, and uh, I know that that was you know he had some talk with a. I think part of what he wanted to do with that is protect Red Meat Lovers Club as his brand, and not. And I, I'm gonna be talking to Steve in a few weeks, so I'll get more insight into that. And I think you know. Now under Dumbarton, he's he don't I don't think he has to worry about someone else doing a red meat of his club cigar. And those were you know, well, I want to talk about how they you know how Abe does store exclusives with Wagashi in a bit. 
Um, but I think that's the big one. I think Red Eagle Club is a huge one. There's a lot of it's a lifestyle brand in a lot of ways, right? So it's a big. I think that's a major. I think that's Steve's big one this year. Like I think that's the one I'm judging more than anything else right now. It's how Red Meat Lovers Club goes out. Yeah, and I believe he's bringing four out of six sizes. Uh, he is bringing. Yeah, there's one. The original Red Meat Lovers Club is four sizes, right? The original size that was released for Abe, which is the Parejo, the Toro Gordo, that's not getting released. Okay. But uh, the beef stick is getting released. Uh, the meat box press is being called a ribeye. Uh, and then there is a 5x54 filet mignon and a 6x60 porterhouse, which mm. are new. So, um, Favorite bundles? Again, I know those are your favorite. Um, I, I don't know that. That's a 10-count uh, boxes I have on here. Is that, uh, you know, here's the thing. The paper bundles worked for Abe, right? Because it, when you're doing, he was primarily moving those cigars through smoking.com. Right. Paper bundles are fine, but 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 I think now if you want these, if you want, they gotta go into box. I can't see them not staying. They gotta go into boxes when they're released. They gotta. Yeah. I mean, it's if you want, because Steve's looking for shelf space. Follow the Nick Perdomo model of how you do, uh, you know, uh, merchandising. You yeah, those those are gonna stand out, and it's a lifestyle brand. I, I'd be shocked if they, maybe they do an initial release of paper bundles. It's a question I gotta ask Steve, but yeah. Yeah, it, it that's gonna be uh. That, Another one, another booth. Add it to the list. That's going to be busy. A lot to see. Yeah, I mean, I'm starting to get into candidates for my uh, company of the show to look for. Uh, you know, and, and the last two winners were Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, United Slice Selected. So they are already off to a very strong start. I have one Us company well. that there's one company that I think is going to be interesting to see. That um, just keep an eye on them, but it's. Uh, there's, there's, it's a little bit of an intangible reason this year why I think they could be the company this year to watch, but um, but yeah, I mean these two companies Ooh. are off to great start. Uh, forged. Well, that I think first of all, I think that yeah, they're gonna have a lot of attention regardless of what they bring. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna there. tease it. I don't know what they're gonna do yet, but it's not like a secret. But there's all eyes are gonna be on Forge this year and Altidus. Both of those, there's a lot of eyes on both of those companies this year. So the question is, do they bring something to? How do they come back? Do they come back with a bang? Do they come back quietly? That's what we. I want to see what's going to happen. If they come back with a bang, watch out is what I'm saying. Those, I mean, if, if Raphael brings a new Monte Cristo or something like that in this year, that's going to be tough to do. If Ford's like does something crazy with like the Partagas line, something's worth watching right now to see. Well, let me ask you this question. If you're those two companies and you're like committing, you're like, all right, we're, we're coming back, knowing that Obviously, there's going to be a lot of hype on you be just being there. You know, wouldn't you take advantage of that and bring some bring some heat? You know, do, yeah. Do you, do you show up to the dance without a date, or do you, you know, do you bring three? You right, know? right. Do you, do you, that's the question that you look at, and you know, like right now, there's two companies out there that are, are leaders of the out of the gate. Um, to see, you know. Espinoza was very close last year. They uh, they had a lot of limiteds last year. Espinoza, yeah, uh, they did. yep, Fieri's coming back this year, so it's going to be. Um, I know they have. A, I know most of their releases are more limited this year, which is why they didn't get it from me last year. Is that all their releases were limited, and I I really judge Coraline to give this award out to. Right, you got to have a you got to have something Coraline 
to get this guy honor from me. Uh, limiters just won't do it for me uh, unless there's just nothing else. So does Altidus, I mean, I'm sure Altidus has stuff in the pipeline they've been working on. I'm sure Ford has stuff in the pipeline they're working on. So I think they will have something there. What it is, does it kind of capture my attention or the retailer's attention, more importantly? That's to be seen. The other one that we haven't really talked about yet, uh, no yeah. one's really talked about, but we, I mean, I, I think it's safe to say we know it's coming. Um, Perdomo's 30th anniversary. I think he said on Matt's show it's coming. Well, the show. I believe Matt, I, I believe last year at the trade show he said that he wanted to have it there, but because they had delays, they couldn't have it. So he was just in the cigars were ready, but he didn't have the packaging because of all that. Uh, yeah. stuff. And so he, he was just going to let them rest. Yeah. yeah. Nick's not going to put out paper bundles with a 30th anniversary no. cigar. Yeah. And I and when I went to the booth at TPE, I uh, Nick wasn't there, but you know Nelson was there and I chatted with him and I I tried to get some info out of him and he wouldn't he wouldn't budge and he's just said, you know, are you coming to PCA? I go, absolutely. He's like, I he's like you'll probably find what you're looking for at PCA. And I said, yeah. Yeah, so, I I think he said it on how about that cigar's 200th episode. Yeah. Uh, that. So so yeah, I think that's another one worth watch. That's gonna be a huge uh, thing to watch with that. Because if anything, I mean, look, Perdomo doesn't bring out a lot of stuff often, but you know, when they bring one cigar out, that one cigar gets a lot of attention. I mean, the last time they brought a cigar, that the, the 10th anniversary Maduro's and Sungrown, that 10th anniversary Maduro cleaned up. I mean, oh, it was uh, you know, it, it's a uh, historic cigar. It, it, it's been, you know, and I'm looking at some of my decade list right now. Uh, I'll tell you right now, the leader for uh, impact brand of the decade has to be Perdomo 10th anniversary this year. Uh, right now, I think they are absolutely they. That was a monster what they did, on top of a monster they had with with champagne. To go with the and and yeah, so I think you know what they're and I doing. Think when it comes to Perdomo, it's pretty easy to figure out a lot of this information before it's announced. We know there's a 30th anniversary coming. They've they've admitted it. Right. It's probably going to re- get released in the standard three wrapper format that they always use a Connecticut shade. But did they, but they do all three at once? You know, they didn't mm. do all three at once for the 20th. They waited on the Connecticut, just so you know. Okay. The, the Connecticut came out a year later, yeah. So that I didn't but, know that. I think that's a fair, yeah, that's a fair assumption, though, but they may not do all three at once. Yeah, because, I mean, that's true. And you know what? The one cigar from Perdomo I wish would come back because I miss it ESV. Very limited. I mean, I think that tobacco is a yeah, it's a great cigar, uh, great line. So I think it's something that will be more limited. I don't think it's gone away. I think it'll come back at some point. But Jay, uh, yeah, we tried to get some down. We tried to get some down at the Perdomo uh, uh, store in Miami. There were none left. They, were, they had some samplers, so we grabbed a couple of the samplers we bought uh, that that had them. Jay asked a question: How doesn't Alma Forte not how how doesn't Alma Forte not get Impact Brand of the Decade, or do you mean since 2020? Since 2020. They were on, uh, I believe, uh, Placencia Alma Forte was on the last decade list of mine. Uh, in fact, I will look that up, Jay. On the Impact list, um, I am positive they were on that. They were high. Uh, Placencia came in... Um, I'm positive they were on that list. I'm not seeing it. Maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, it's since like I'm talking for this decade now coming up. Um, 
uh, five. They were number five. So, yeah. Put Santi Almafuente with a top five for me last decade. Yeah, in terms of impact. Uh, the ones that beat it out were David of Nicaragua, AJ Fernandez, New World, Asylum, and Asylum 13, and Undercrown. Yep. Wow. I want to go back to Wagashi for a yes. second. So, you know my feelings on single store releases. Mm hmm. Right? We pretty much have okay. a very similar view. Yeah, I, I'm I'm probably the most negative on it in the industry, even though I, I get they 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 make money for the manufacturers, but let's give Abe the dojo the Abe dojo, um, Saka connection a lot of credit for how they have done this launch. Um, the fact that they have pre-sold the amount of cigars that they did, in the amount of time they did, is amazing. It is amazing. Why isn't it, you know, and I go back to, you know, you know what I'm saying, the TA and the PCA releases, they don't have that same impact. How does Abe go, and, and I think he moved over a thousand of these, right? Am I wrong? I mean, he moved, this was so well done, okay? This was so well done. Uh, it, everyone, with, all hands on deck were for marketing it. So, you know, I think Dojo handled the consumer end of things. Um, Abe handled the, uh, the retailer end of things. And um, Saka handled the manufacturing piece, and all were engaged with the media on this. What a job they did with that. Um, that is absolutely the gold standard for how to do it. Now, I get that everyone can't maybe have an impact like this, but there are other companies that I've seen them come out with, with exclusive cigars that, that just shit the bed with this. Like they, Pete does a great job with it. So Pete's, another, Pete's on another planet. He kind of invented oh. how to oh, – yeah. his is a little different because he's got this strong cult following with that. But other companies, I'm saying, have not done what these guys have done. And uh, I, I think it's a – not only that, Saka's setting the stage for when this has a national release on top of it. This was absolutely a clinical trial gone great on how I mean, to do first of all, I, I, First of all, the first thing that comes to mind is you got Steve. Okay, and Steve yeah. is also the cult following. Yeah. Anything, yeah. He, anything he makes, he gets people yep. to buy. I mean, yep, yep. so I, I would yep. say a large. I would. Yep. I think it's fair to say, a significant, if not a majority, of the portion of that, is because of Steve, and the way right. he teases stuff, and how he is with social media, and he gets things out there, and he's got you know he, he, he drops like little things, and people are like, oh what's this? And he gets them all to corral together, and then he drops the next beat, and he like he keeps them fed. You know, he doesn't just drop something in the water and then walk away, and then you know the hype dies down. He, he... he doesn't just make the cigar and walk away. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, even after the announcement, with it, he's all over this thing. Like, um, you know, and I've seen so many companies like, and this is the you know, I see with the TA cigars. Well, we sold them all to the retailers. We're done. Like that is a, you give me an answer like that, you you've lost me. You've lost me. Don't even go there, okay? Because you know, you're just basically kicking the can. To, you're kicking the can. Away is what you're doing. I made these cigars. I don't want to deal with it anymore. But look at Steve. What he's, he's thinking strategically. This is going to be a national release. He's got and he's got a marketing machine in Abe. I mean, what a job these guys have. Did. And again, the dojo community is a very strong community. What a yeah. job they did with that. You should just you should if you're a cigar maker and you're doing a like a single store release and maybe you're thinking about it down the line to add to the portfolio, you should be taking copious notes. You should be and, and you should be taking copious notes right now on this. Remember, this is also a guy who likes to. This is this 
all this for those who are listening. This is also being said by a guy who loves to, you know, I'm just I'm I'm being fair here, Coop, and I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying, but this is also coming from a guy who, you know, when people mention Saka, he, he's been known to say, "Oh, fanboy." Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's there like are, you say are. it that way, but now you're like praising it, like, "Oh, the fanboys are out." But what, what, <laughs> but guess what? I'm just giving you a hard time. You, no, but yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but and, and you mentioned the teaser stuff. I'll be honest. I think I'm more impressed with the job Sock has done after the announcement was made. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I really have. I've been impressed with that. So, um, you know, and then he just starts explaining. You, know, you get, you get. Sock is going to give you a lot of. Juicy details um, on it. I didn't, I'm gonna be honest. I didn't pre-order the cigar. Okay, and it's not, I, if it's coming national, I could just wait for it at that point, right? Maybe I'll try to hit Abe up with some. Don't get me wrong, but I, I didn't pre-order it, right? Um, so it's nothing against the cigar, or anything. I just typically, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much done with that. You know, if Abe sends some for review, I'll review them. Obviously, uh, the rare fusion, I'm gonna be reviewing. I have a couple of those. So, oh yeah, yeah that's right, the Agonorsa leaf. Yeah, that was an interesting release. Have you haven't smoked it, right? Have you, have you smoked it? I smoked it. What'd you think? Um, be honest. Like the first half of the cigar, I didn't like the second half of the cigar. Okay, but I smoked it on I smoked it on the air on a show, so that's why if I'm I don't want to say it, it, the jury's still out on that. It's that's not a fair way of doing it, you know. I was smoking it. Um, I'm not really thinking about it. I get distracted, so. But it's not. A, I'm not saying it's a bad cigar either. So I, I said that I gotta. I gotta give that. You know, how many times have I gone to you, Matt, and, and you said this cigar is great, and I said it sucks, right? And then I've gone back to it and really gone through like my review side. I said, Matt, you think you're right? I mean, Saka Khan was a great example of that. Um, and Paladin. And Paladin, both of those. Um, and Red Anchor is the third. And Red Anchor. Red, Red Anchor. I was, well, you know, but in all those cases, they weren't really. Given the shot that it needed, and that's why I didn't have put a review out for them. Like, but in all those cases, but there's other cases that I've been disappointed. So that's why I don't want to. It's I don't want to pull the thing and say this is a duddy. I mean, I think the whole concept of um, Corojo Criollo is a little overrated. They're doing with that. It's it's done all the time. Like blends are done all the time with those two tobaccos. So I don't quite get it. But again, Abe, Abe and Terrence are on board uh, and doing a great job marketing that cigar. So uh, maybe the, the way the tobaccos come together is going to be fantastic. So I just want I want to see it. So let me ask so you yeah, this question. Did... Sorry, uh-huh. I just because yeah, I, no, I got this you're idea. Good, good. I got I got this idea in my head, and now I want to ask you. You know, the last couple of years, I I feel like you would agree. Agonorsa has been a little quiet. I know they've done a lot of repackaging and and re, uh, rebranding, which has been big. But do you think that now it's time to see a couple more cigars come out into? Yeah, uh, I I I I I, I feel like it's it's time. So they have a little bit of a problem, Aganor. So to be fair to them, they they have really, as far as innovation goes, they have mm-hmm. done some innovations. Uh, the shade grown Corojo, and now the Corojo 2012 varietal. Mm-hmm. You gotta give it a little chance here. Uh, I'm not saying they were all great out of the gate, but you know, they give them a chance to work, work with those tobaccos a little more. So, and they've been more limited releases they've done with, with those too. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Aganorsa does need to come out with something. I, um, 
they have a few lines that they still need to restore. Um, it sounds like Terrence dropped a hint that the uh, Arsenio line is coming back, uh, which is one of their classic lines, uh, one of the best lines they've had, named for the late Arsenio Ramos. Mm-hmm. So that is one that they haven't kind of agonorsized yet. So I think that's one that's probably going to be coming. So I think that and that would be great when that's reintroduced to the market. That was a that was an unbelievable blend when it came out. So they have a few more. They have the Secreto the Art is another one that they released, but it has to get repackaged. So they have a few of these out there. Um, and like I said, I think they need to do a little more with the Corojo 2012 before we say it's the next great thing. So, you know, they've, they've kind of been some limited releases. So I wasn't a big fan of Cerberus, by the way. Um, Me either. That doesn't mean... No, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it. So uh, um, I have a review coming out tomorrow on the HBC 10th anniversary Toro, which uses that tobacco as well. So, we, you know, you'll find out about that. It didn't, it didn't do bad, but it didn't blow the doors off either. So that's Rainier's. So he's used it. So so I think we'll give it a little more time with Aganor. So I think they are doing repackaging, but... I think they have done some stuff from an innovation standpoint. It's been a little more limited right now. Oh, and that and just and just to be clear, that wasn't a knock against Aganor. They they have they have been doing they some do, good things, but, but they it, they, they haven't really build. made they a need... splash. Yeah, I mean the Shade Grown Corojo in 2019 when they introduced that, they came out with three lines with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the lines was really good. The other two lines, one was okay and one was bad. So, um, I thought the Guardian of Farm Nightwatch was a miss, and they don't have a lot of misses, Aganor. But that was a miss in my book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, I think they've done a great job with the anniversario line. Uh, the anniversario Corojo is a, a what, a, and I love the packaging changes they made on it. I really love the Corojo one on that. So that has become a, a, an excellent, excellent line for them. So, um, I think they've done a good job. I mean, um, but you know, pack. I think they have to kind of stabilize the packaging changes too. They've had too many. So. You know, I think they had to tweak some of the things, like the validate. They rebranded the core line as validation line. I think that was a smart move. I think it's going to pay off for them. So I think so too. Yeah, colors were really nice. And by the way, I'm in the minority. I love the Supreme Leaf colors. I think they pop. I think they stand out great in a humidor. Um, I don't think I kind of like it. It gets your attention. It gets your attention. Yeah, I like it. I kind of like the colors on. It's pretty cool. So. I'm in the minority with that. I like the colors on that. Hey, one. how many times on this show have we said packaging is important? Why? Why is Nick Perdomo waiting on his 30th anniversary? He is not. Gonna, like I said he's. Yeah, he wants that packaging to be right. Um, so it's very important. Mark merchandise is a big part of what they do. So absolutely. Um, like I said, if you're selling something with a retailer online, you could put it in a bundle because you don't have a store to do it with. Is this, you know what I'm saying? That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Yep. Um, you know, since the last show, we, we couldn't meet last week because we were both traveling. Um, yep. But, you know, last weekend, you went down to Miami again. Yep. And yep. it sounds like you had one of the best times of your life, to be honest with you, from what I saw. I was very good. I, I had an opportunity. Uh, this was non-cigar business I was at the Formula One for. It wasn't personal either. Uh, I mean, go, go see uh, what I got to see. Um, was excellent. Uh, it was I mean, it's a great event for Miami. Um, and I had some pretty good access, as people saw. I kind of, you know, and um, you know, I did. I actually stayed in Miami till Monday. I had some other business in my, on Monday, so Sunday was the one day I had to do some stuff around Miami, um, which was nice. 
Um, but yeah, no, it was a, I had a very good time. Uh, what an event for, what a great event for the city of Miami. And the city of Miami did that race really proud. It was, it was a lot of excitement in the city throughout the whole weekend. I was going to say, you know, I, I didn't go to the actual race, by the way. I only went to qualifying just, so you know. Oh, um, okay. Because again, just, you know, it was a, it, it was non-cigar related. Um, so I had business there. Um, and one day was more than enough for me. And I, I was very happy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems you know it's you know, they had the Miami race, and you know I know later this year there's a, there's a race in Las Vegas, which I think and is Austin, Au- Austin, yeah, and Austin as well. Oh, and Austin, okay. Austin, Austin, it's Austin, then Vegas, yeah. When so the this is race? big. Uh, I want to say it's in between the, my, it's I think maybe the summer or something. Okay. And, and you know the other thing that I'll just say is, and this I know we're not going to get too much into Formula One here. Is um, there is what what is what is a big thing happening is um, there is a, uh, a a driver who drives for the Williams team, which is a world-renowned team. Yep. His name is Logan Sargent. Uh, he is an American driver who comes from South Florida, and he's 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 a new he's a rookie on the Formula One. He finished last, right? But he, this is the fact that they have an American driver. I'm telling you, he's a good kid. I didn't meet him personally, but he seems like a good kid. And I think this is – I think the money will come into his team where he's going to be a more competitive driver because he's got the personality and people love him. So uh, the crowd loved him there. Um, sad he, he didn't he didn't have the car to qualify is the problem. So he needs – you know, you need money. It's the car. Everything is about the car. And, uh, they you know, I think that money – but to have an American now, it's exciting in Formula 1. Oh, it is, uh, and he's, for sure. And he's young. It's an exciting – yeah, he's really exciting. I'm not saying he's going to win the Drivers' Championship, but he's going to get better is what I'm saying. And who, who won the Miami race? I don't remember. Uh, it was won by Max uh, Verstappen, um, who oh, started right. ninth. Yeah, he started ninth, um, and, and he, is the best for, he is the best driver in the world right now. Uh, and he had the car, and he drove, he drove that race from you know coming from the middle of the pack. Not easy. So, uh, very exciting driver. Um, I watched the race on TV because I, I wasn't there. I was only there for qualifying, and he got and he got a bad luck in qualifying because they got red flagged. There was a crash, and he got red flagged. Mm-hmm. So he ended up starting. Not, that's why he started ninth. It's not that he ended the car. It was. It's kind of the timing of when you Poor timing. qualifying out there. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, they took a calculated risk that they can get one more, one more qualifier, and they they didn't get it. So. Yeah, when it got red flagged, he didn't get a chance to do the final qualification where I think the car was probably at the level they wanted it to. And he had a, obviously he had a hell of a car. So, how did Hamilton do? Uh, Hamilton started actually outside the top ten. He finished, I, I want to say, in like fifth or sixth. Uh, I think sixth he finished. So uh, I know for a while and, uh, Hamilton was like the driver in the world. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting to see him. Uh, it's interesting to see him kind of where he is right now. Uh, he's much better than, a, you know, a fifth or sixth place driver. Um, he finished, Hamilton finished sixth. His teammate, George Russell, finished fourth on Mercedes. Uh, they're two British drivers. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was interesting to see. He, uh, um, like I said, I'm just like, he had another, he had a, he had just a bad run also. And he ended up, like I said, he, 
the, the red flag actually didn't hurt him. He was out like he finished bad because he just had a bad the car didn't do it for him on the track that day. But he drove very well to kind of because he finished outside of the top ten in qualifying, but he got to get up to sixth place was was still pretty good. Um and he got some points at least on the race. Yeah. Very interesting. F one seems yep. to be getting more and more popular. The the city of Miami US. really got behind the city of Miami got behind this race. Everyone was talking Formula One down there. They did a great job. Uh, they were just. I, I stayed at Miami Beach, and I could just tell you people that was everyone was talking about. It, even if they weren't at the race, that was being watched. Uh, and you know there were watch parties all over the city, so it was a big deal. Hmm. Well, it's exciting to see. You know, it's exciting to yep. see it happening here. Um. You know, I, I I anticipate you know more and more of it as time goes on. I mean, as long as it's you know perceived well, um, but it seems to me like they're off to a good start, and uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. I know talking, we had Charlie Minato from Half Wheel on the show, and um, yeah. we we actually got into that. It was last year, and I remember him t- saying like how he's gotten so into Formula One, and he's gotten into yeah. NASCAR as well. But um, yeah, he, there he's into Formula One. Um, Le Mans think, is his big thing. He likes Le Mans. Yeah. Yeah, he does too. He likes that. He he's. I would say generally, most automotive racing in general, I think he is pretty much a big fan of. But yeah, um, which is one thing I didn't know about him, and I found it very interesting. Um, he uh, he's really into that. So yeah, like I said, it, it's it's something I see getting a stronger and stronger presence here in the U.S. It's kind of like, I think Formula One's always been kind of like like soccer, like. We have fans here, but it's not like it is in the rest of the world. And I think you're starting to see more um, interest in Formula One in the U.S., which I think is good. Yeah, I I agree. Um, like I said, I definitely agree with you on that. It is becoming, um, yeah, it's definitely, you know, and I think, like I said, having an American driver is going to help. Oh, now you got three yeah. races in the U.S. Because that money is going to come to this. This kid is so likable. And Williams is a team that they they if they get the money that they can invest in in the cars, um, it's going to be very very exciting to see. Well, I'm glad you had a great time. It sounds like a hell of an experience, um, and you get to go to Miami again, which I know in your book, no matter what what the reason is, just getting to go to Miami is a treat. Love for that you. city. Love that love that city. Magic city, uh, right? The magic. It really is the magic city. Um, I actually stayed on Miami Beach for the first time in my life. I've never stayed at Miami Beach. Well, see, there's uh, another for you, yeah. Uh, it's a different animal, Miami Beach. Compared to, I know we say Miami Lakes, which is a little more uh, secluded and relaxed. Miami Beach, I wouldn't say is my scene by any means, but for a young guy like you, I think you'd enjoy it. <laughs> so. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If I was single, <laughs> if I was si- if I was single, <laughs> that's all I was to say. Oh. Uh, oh. Yeah, it was. Uh, what are you saying? Love, if you were, if you were single and you were on Miami Beach, you'd be you know. I'd be going to Miami Beach a lot. Trust me. You'd be you'd be you'd be hitting them away with a stick. They'd be lining up for you. Uh, I don't know. They'd be hitting me away probably. But, but <laughs> like I just I, I you know it's funny. I'm like 55. I felt like a dirty old man. It's like, wow. like I'm just way I'm just way too old for this. <laughs> wow. I can't yeah. believe you would describe yourself like that. I, I, I felt I I I wasn't the dirty old man. I just I I could help. I like I got. Daughter who's older than some of these people. So. 
very eye-opening very eye-opening yeah. well i'm glad yeah. you had a good time yeah. um i think that's gonna do it for our show tonight uh there was a lot to cover and mitchell wasn't with us unfortunately but he should be back for the next yeah. one yeah yeah no good we'll get the boy wonder back on and uh boy wonder i like that uh, boy one boy wonder yeah yeah yep, it's, uh, we'll yeah. get him back for the next one but uh that's gonna do it for us um We'll be back same time, same place in a couple of weeks in our norm, on our normal schedule. Yep. Sorry, I have something in my eyes. Yep. It's driving me nuts. Um, great show. Uh, Coop, who, you guys, who, who do you have coming up on the show this week? Uh, we are we probably are taking this week off. So um, we, we there's a lot of decisions going into that. So we may be taking this week. We have a jukebox show on Monday that we just recorded on last tracks on albums. So that will happen on Monday, but we may be taking prime time off this week. Uh, just so you know. Oh, okay. Uh, we have a lot. We have a lot coming up with PCA. Um, so we have a lot of shows that are booked, and I'll announce those uh, very soon. With, with you know, some of the guests we'll have with that. But yeah, um, there's a chance we still may do the show. That's why I, I'm gonna make the call on Monday on that. It sounds like Th- a plan. that's basically saying I don't have a guest yet, and I. But I, there's other stuff. There's other factors going on why I may not be able to book a guest for me. So so that's part of that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. that's 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 uh, good. To I don't know. want to commit to a, I don't want to commit to a guest if um I can't do the show. So yeah, yeah. No, that's, fair. that's why I haven't I haven't tried to book you guys. Yeah, who do you got coming on? We have Jeff and Chris from Amendola coming on this week to talk about oh, the new guy. Love those guys. The West Side Story. What a what a great story from them. Uh, I always love having those guys on the show. Um and. Uh, that's a cool project when you guys get into that with them. They're good. Good dudes. I love those guys. I'll have to tune in for that for sure. Very excited. Very excited. Yep. It's always yep. a great time when they come. So, uh, yeah, they're great. They're great. They're these great people as well. Uh, and, and Chris is now living in Miami. I found out. So yes, yes. He has yeah. seen the light. So, yep. He's, oh, he's seen the light. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a New York guy. He always have a New York guy. He came to, he was down here for a while by me. Now he's down. He's gone all down What is there, it with so, you New Yorkers that find Miami so fascinating? Uh, warm. Uh, warm. <laughs> I, I, but I love I love North, I love North Carolina. Don't get me wrong; it's a wonderful place I live in. Um, so uh, part of me like I like visiting Miami. I don't know if I'd like living there. <coughs> I was just I gonna say, would you live in Miami? No, I'd probably live up by Palm Beach if I did it. So. I, yeah. I think Miami, like I said, Miami Beach is not my scene. <laughs> so, well, you never know. It could be. Leave that for Alan Rubin. Leave that for Alan Rubin. Oh, whoa, okay, Alan Rubin. <laughs> Alan Rubin's a Vegas guy, though, so I don't know. But he's a Vegas guy, yeah. Although Miami's a, very... a better city than. I will say Miami's still a better city than Vegas. Anytime, I'll take Miami any day of the week over Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's expensive too, Miami. Miami's gotten very expensive. They're both so. expensive. Yeah, they both have. Yeah. Much different, so, much different climates. Yep. I mean, they're both warm yep. to an extent, but much different yep, climates yep. as well. Yep. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Don't forget to like and subscribe everywhere you can get your podcasts as well as on our YouTube channel and all of our social media accounts. Head over to SmokingTobacco.com today for more news, reviews, and other happenings and tidbits from the cigar industry. And with that, we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. Take care. Thank you for spending your time with us at Smokin' Tobacco. Please remember to like and subscribe for more episodes and content. And as always, visit SmokinTobacco.com for news and updates from the cigar industry.